Welcome into another episode of Real Pod Wednesdays. Dan Hope joined by Colin Haas Hill as always, but also joined this week by Zach Carpenter. I believe it's the first time we've had you on, Zach, since uh, quarantine life started. So, just first of all, you know, tell the listeners what you've been up to. How you doing? Oh yeah, thanks for having me back, boys. I feel like I feel like it's been too long. I missed you guys a little bit. Yeah, haven't hopefully, heard your voice in a guys while. Missed, yeah. Yeah, say that's what we've, we've been talking for a little while leading up to the actual recording. It's nice catching up and stuff. I uh, my entire body sore from working out for the first time in like two weeks, dealing with DoorDash, being two hours late, and a weird noise in my in my freezer. But other than that, we're we're all solid. We're we're hanging in here. Starting off, my here. entire body sore. I'm like, where's he going with this? <laughs> so Zach, we had we had Chris Holtman on last week's podcast, and he was talking about his makeshift gym that he has. What what kind of what kind of makeshift gym does a does a recruiting reporter have? All right, so it was for a couple weeks. I mean, for like two three weeks, I wasn't working out at all. I was just it was, it was quarantine phase one, and then I started thinking, all right, I got to get up and start moving around a little bit, and. I uh, fill. I have a ton of books in my bookshelf, and they were not being put to the actual use. So I, I stuck them all in a backpack and got it up to like 25, 30 pounds, and I was using that as a, as a weight. I could strap it to my back to do uh, weighted push-ups, squats, and all. T- like I actually surprisingly, I had, I was able to uh, get a bunch of different exercises out of it. But then after that, it was like I I was in fear of hurting my body from the different angles. I was terrified of getting injured so i actually drove back home to my parents house in illinois uh spent a weekend there and i i took home there or took back um some weights some 25 pounds some 10 pounds and uh a bench press bar so actually the past like couple weeks i feel like i'm actually getting into a better routine and it's it's not as bad as i honestly anticipated it Gonna have to move you to the strength and conditioning beat over here. To <laughs> say I can give some background details, I guess, because I was talking to Willie Anderson, uh, Paris Johnson's um, one of his, the guy uh, guys giving him advice and stuff, and um, I told him about the backpack idea, and he's like, "Oh, that's a good one. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that. I'll give you a shout out." And then oh, wow. he, I, th- I think he realized like actually that's probably not as good of an idea as it sounds on paper. <laughs> But I think you scratched that idea entirely, but I just I still don't know if my makeshift home gym holds a candle to Chris Holtman's. Zach, I'm not going to lie. Out. If a uh, former NFL offensive lineman was was getting strength and conditioning advice from you, I'd I'd be a little worried. <laughs> hey, maybe, maybe, maybe it's uh, maybe it's something, some innovation. I mean, tough times. Was it desperate times? Call for desperate measures. So, who knows? That is what they say. Well, the real reason why we have Zach on here is not as much as we'd love to talk for two hours about uh, Zach Carpenter strength and conditioning plan. And if yeah, I can if, talk, I can do it all day. Say, hey, if we don't have a football season or something, <laughs> we might have to have a Zach Carpenter uh, guides us through a workout podcast at some point. But hopefully, we don't get to that point. The real reason why we've that. got Zach on here today is because we wanted to do we want to do a bit of a fun exercise, and this was actually Zach's idea that he pitched to us. And we decided, hey, let's make that a podcast segment because that would be pretty fun. So Zach is going to guide us through a recruit draft, so to speak. Uh, we, we've done a team draft before of guys that are on the current team, and we'll, we'll probably do that again, you know, Colin and I at some point here this summer. But Zach had the idea of having us pick 
uh, build teams basically off of Ohio State's 2020 signees, you know, including the guys that are early enrollees. So not, they're not technically recruits at this point, but they haven't played a game yet at Ohio State. So 2020 signees, 2021 uh, commits, and 2022 commits. And because Ohio State's been on such a roll, there's enough guys, with only one exception, which he'll explain, there's enough guys for us to each draft 15 players out of those groups and basically build almost a full team. So, Zach, kind of explain the concept here, why you came up with this, and kind of how we're going to do this. Yeah, so I was watching um, the NFL draft when I first came up with this, and I started uh, started working around. I was like, what, what if we did a recruit draft? And then I started putting the numbers together, and I was like, oh, actually, like, pretty conveniently, the numbers work out almost perfect um, to where we're going to get, once, once I explain it, we'll have 45 players total, and then all three of us, we're going to have 15 players each. So the idea is a recruit draft, like you said, from the 20, 2020, 21, and 22, 22 classes. Um, and through that, through those three classes combined, there's 46 recruits in total. But two of those are punter, Jesse Murko, who just committed to the 21 class a few days ago, and then kicker Jake Seibert in the 20 class. So kind of figured it wouldn't be fair for one of us to have a kicker, one of us to have a punter, and one of us to have nobody. So if a long snapper it, wants to go ahead and commit yeah. here in like the next hour, <laughs> we'll go ahead and draft specialists too. Exactly. So yeah, this is not we, – we, we are flexible here where we can add a long snapper at the end. Um, so it, to make things a little even and a little more ideal, we with apologies to Jake and Jesse, we eliminated them from uh, draft eligibility – so that brings us down to 44 players. And when I was doing the numbers, it it actually works out pretty perfectly if I uh, move a couple guys around positionally um, to have where everybody has the same number of people at the position. So we each get one quarterback, one running back, two receivers, one tight, uh, three offensive linemen, two defensive linemen, a linebacker, a hybrid linebacker safety, two cornerbacks and a safety. The only problem was tight end because there's Sam Hart and Joe Royer are the only tight ends committed. So to make things a little simpler and a little cleaner, I added Hudson Wolf, uh, who's a tight end from Tennessee. And he's, he's not, he, he, that doesn't mean that the commitment is around the corner, that it's a done deal or that he silently committed or anything like that. Just because he, he is, at this at this point right now, he is the likeliest tight end to commit to Ohio State. So for clarity's sake, for to keep it cleaner, we're adding Hudson to this recruit draft so that we have uh, an even a quote unquote even number, the same number of people um, positionally. And the point of this whole exercise is, I mean, you're drafting on upside. None of these guys has done anything at Ohio State outside of the 2020 early enrollees. Um, they, they had a few spring practices, and there are some guys, the receivers were flashing. Uh, and But other than that, they haven't really done anything at Ohio State quite yet. So you're drafting on upside. You're trying to put together uh, the best, the future, a future Ohio State team that you think it, it gives you the best chance to win a national championship. Um, what, what so, Zach, Ed, Zach, what you should have said about Hudson Wolf was that he's eligible for this draft because he tweeted a steak emoji on Friday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So steak emoji means you're you're in. It's uh, 
it's a that inside joke, and now you're part of the club. You're part, part of the Ohio State fraternity, I guess. But um, yeah, so with each of us drafting, all three of us are going to have different ideas of team structure and strategy um, and who we think is uh, has the highest upside or who, who we just like, just gut feeling even. Um, there, I'm sure as we get into it, we're going to have guys that we're, we're just like, you know, I'm just going to take a flyer on him or I, I like it. I, I just, I, I like his tape. I like uh, his potential. So I'm really interested to see who has what strategy. I mean, like, for example, if, if you like a slot corner instead of an outside corner, you go ahead and grab Andre Turrentine over Jacalyn Johnson, for instance. I mean, it's there. It's it's basically it's basically to each his own um, as far as draft strategy goes. Kind of like a fancy draft, I guess. So, kind of excited to get into it. Yeah, let's get into it now, Zach. Zach, as our commissioner, decided to give himself the number <laughs> one overall pick. Uh, no I knew you were going to give me crap yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm I'm not sure about that. I mean, I'm not I'm not sure if a commissioner should be giving himself a number one pick, but it is his idea. He won a number one pick, so he's going to get the number one pick. Colin and I did a coin flip. Colin won that, so I'm just getting the short end of the stick all the way around here. But call Colin's hey, hey, got snake the draft. Colin's got the number two overall pick, but like like Zach said, it is a snake draft. So I will get the third pick. I will then get the fourth pick. Colin fifth, Zach sixth, and then we'll run through the order again. Uh, we're going to go 15 rounds here. The, the, the idea here is for us each to have an equal amount of players on our teams with uh, by position. So you might be listening and thinking, you know, why hasn't this third quarterback been drafted yet? Well, you know, you, you might wait on that guy because you know you're going to get him on your team because the other guys can't draft him anymore. So uh, we'll, we'll, it, it should work out if we all uh, have strategized smartly. It should work out that there's going to be one player left in each position group at the end, and then we'll just kind of draft those quickly and assemble them on to finish our teams. But uh, without further ado, I think we should go ahead and get into this. So, Zach... You, you could put yourself on the clock as the commissioner and make the number one overall pick when you're ready. Make sure right. to um, play the NFL draft music right now. Right I, it's a, that's actually going through my head as soon as he said that. As soon as he <laughs> said, it's on the clock, that's that music. started going through my head. And the pick is in. The number one overall pick in the 2020 Ohio State recruit draft is quarterback C.J. Stroud, Rancho Cucamonga High School. I am not surprised. <laughs> I the, the 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 rationale behind it is, I mean, you're in my opinion, college football team, and I mean NFL teams even. You're only as good as your quarterback, and C.J. Stroud is just he's to me he's he's the guy I'm highest on out of the three. Um, even though it's it's very close in my opinion between Stroud and Kyle McCord. And I just, just seeing him in person and being like talking to him and then seeing him in that all American bowl, he just, he gave that, he had that Justin Fields escapability that I, that I want my quarterback. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily comparing him to Justin Fields. He's not nearly as, nearly as fast, but he just, he has the arm. He has the, um, he has the playmaking. He's able to, he's able to make plays when things break down and there's, uh, when it gets hectic and, I, I, I got to take, I'm taking Stroud. I'm taking him to lead the team with, with uh, even though it's going to be over the next year, I think it's going to be a really, really, really fun battle between 
him, Jack Miller, and Kyle McCord. But give me St- give me Stroud for my the number one overall pick. All right, Collins on the clock. Our friend Bill Landis is going to be happy because I'm heading to Philadelphia for this pick. Since you went C.J. Stroud with the first pick, I'm going to go with Kyle McCord with uh, the second pick because for all the reasons wow. you said, quarterback is, is ultimately important. And I'm going to go ahead and grab the, the only composite five-star either um, signed in the 2020 class or committed in future classes. Man, I'm not going to lie. I'm really happy if Elvis board just fell to me right now because – oh man. Uh, I already know I'm getting Jack Miller, which I feel pretty good about. And I am going to get both the number one and number two overall players on my board because I am taking Jack Sawyer with the number three overall. Uh, and I am taking Paris Johnson, sorry, Colin, with the number four overall pick. Uh, to me, you know, I just look at these two guys. I think they're the surest things among uh, everybody eligible in this draft right now. I think these are both guys who could be future uh, top ten overall NFL draft picks. And I look at Paris Johnson. This is a guy who's going to anchor your offensive line. Jack Sawyer. This is a guy who could be your next Nick Bosa, Chase Young, superstar defensive end at Ohio State. So I uh, feel really, really good about getting those two of my first two picks in this draft. Very reasonable. I, I, I bounced. I would have taken Jack Sawyer second overall if if uh, Zach didn't take quarterback. But since he took a quarterback, I knew that I wanted Kyle McCord. And I decided I had to get him. That said, if you're starting off with Jack Sawyer and Paris Johnson, respect. Yeah, that, I I think those two guys are going to be stars. I mean, those are like you said, those are two as sure picks as you're going to get. So I lo- I like those picks. I want to be able to roast you or something, but I, I can't with those two picks. I'm sure you'll be able to eventually. <laughs> we'll all, we'll all get it. We'll all we'll all get our our due. But uh, I think Colin, you have your second overall pick. I'm going to go ahead and, you know, I mean, those were the two non-quarterbacks who were atop my board. So there's probably two guys who I'm considering right here. And I'll say that I'm going to take Travion Henderson right now because I just think that whenever you can get the five-star running back to pair with the five-star quarterback to start the start the team, I'm not exactly going to be too mad about that one. Can't hate on that. Yeah, exactly. That's... Uh... <laughs> I think he's going to be, again, I think he's going to be a star, and obviously you're going to hear that theme for the first three or four rounds. I mean, yeah, I think his his upside is as good as any, and he's he's explosive. He's, yeah, I, nothing wrong with that pick. Um, and so we'll, I guess we'll move on to my my next two. And my, my strategy here was, I, I had my strategy of, and it's working out now, it's going to, it's going to end up, uh, doing well for me here is I wanted to take a quarterback first and then I wanted to surround him with a couple guys who are going to be able to keep that quarterback healthy, keep him protected uh, and open up some holes on the perimeter and uh, on the inside. So I'm taking, taking offensive lineman back to back here. I'm taking Donovan Jackson and I'm taking Luke Whipler two interior linemen. I respect that. I respect. I respect that. I I was hoping. I was hoping you guys were going to let uh, Jackson fall to my next pick. So, uh, I I respect those picks. Yeah, I, I'm a little nervous about not taking a tackle yet. Uh, taking two inside guys is a little. I mean, both of those guys uh, are going to play either guard or center or movable. But I, on my board, they're the two highest the two highest guys remaining, and I wanted to be able to make sure that that Stroud's healthy and he's able to do his thing for an entire season. That's the rationale. Collins up. 
I will say that I was absolutely going to take um, at least one offensive lineman here out of my next two picks because if you start out with Kyle McCord and Travion Henderson, you sort of need one. So that was a little bit devastating when you say that. But because of that, I'm going to have to go with, with Julian Fleming. And if you're going to give me a five-star quarterback, five-star running back, and five-star wide receiver to start this, yeah. you may have disappointed me a little bit by taking two offensive linemen there, but ultimately I'm going to be just fine, I think. That's a, that's a pretty good trio. Pretty he's stacking trio. his offense. He's not, he's, not, he's not moving around. He's putting playmakers and speed. Listen, put, put speed in space. I've, I've learned that that <laughs> wins games, maybe even the game. All right, so my next pick, number nine overall. I'm, I'm happy with this pick, too, because this guy's actually number three on my board because I look at, okay, where's the drop-off at positions? Where's a guy that if I don't get this guy, I'm not going to feel quite as good about what I've got at that position? This guy plays a position that's really important, and I look at throughout the class, this is the only guy of all these guys, a lot of guys who potentially could play this position, but this is the only guy I'm absolutely sure is going to play it. So I'm going to take Leif and Ransom with a number nine overall pick to be the deep safety on the back end of my defense. Ooh. He's, he's uh, higher up on your board than he was on mine. But. Yeah, like I said, it's it's a lot about, you know, just kind of filling a, a really important position there. Um, and I think, you know, he's a, he's a guy that uh, fills a really important position. And so, uh, you know, I, I felt like I needed to uh, hit on that spot early uh, and get a guy who I think is going to be a really good player at that spot. Moving on to the 10th overall pick. There's a few different... I'm rethinking my board a little bit here just based on some of the guys that have been selected at this point. There's a few different guys who I'd feel pretty good about taking here, but I think I'm going to go ahead and... Get me a bookend tackle. I'm going to take Tegra Shibola with the 10th overall pick. That's that's the guy. I, I, I When I took two linemen, I was going to take Donovan Jackson, potentially Tegra, just because I wanted my tackle. But I, I I took the guys that are a little bit higher up on my board. So Yeah, I, I think getting you know the guys who I had ranked as the top two tackles here, I uh, really like having that just to bookend my line. Two, you know, I mean, two guys who are already built like they could be going to play in the NFL and they haven't even started their college career yet. So really like having those two guys to bookend my line. So those those three offensive linemen just getting picked is, I'm not going to lie, pretty devastating to me as an offensive line guy, especially considering <laughs> I also have three five-stars currently all as my quarterback, wide receiver, and running back. Um... But I have to say, I'm still not going to go offensive line yet, which I'm not even going to lie. Might be regretting this one, but I just have to get Ja'Kalen Johnson right now because I might have got, I might have got <laughs> Julian Fleming, but I see the other wide receivers on the board, and I know the other quarterbacks who are going to be on your guys' teams, and I need the, I need the best true cornerback um, on the board right here. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to snag him. I am devastated. It's a good that pick. That was my pick. Ah, I don't like that. <laughs> well, you made me great, angry, great so pick. I'm glad. I'm glad I can. I can. I can get one back. Ah, that that changes things a little bit. So, I had my strategy, and it was it was working almost to perfection. If you had just taken a lineman or <laughs> literally anybody else, 
Um, so now I gotta reshift gears here a little bit. Um, I feel like I, I, I want to take more offensive guys. I want to give CJ some weapons to work with and some speed. I'm also at the same time nervous that I'm going to have a defense that gives up 40 points a game. I don't want a 2018 Ohio State defense here. So uh, I'm going to split the difference. Um, I'm going to take I'm going to take Jackson Smith and Jigba, Dan's boy. Yes. With the twelfth overall pick, and give myself a, give give CJ a weapon to work with here. A really versatile guy who can be used in a slot. Um, so can confirm. Yeah. I was hoping he would somehow fall to me at my next pick. I strongly considered him taking him with my last pick. Um, so definitely a good yeah. Pick I, there. I I know how much you love him. As I was, I didn't know if he would even make it this far, Dan. Honestly, so I got him. Got my got my guy. Got my main target, um, and let's uh, let's start working on the defense. And I want to take uh, look at the guys on my board. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take him. I'm gonna take the guy I'm really really high on on the defense, Court Williams. Well, that was, well, be that was my top pick. guy on my board yep. too. So yep. I, I, I love Court Williams. <laughs> we were all on the same page and, there. And uh, to to uh, go back to because I, I didn't explain this at the beginning. One of the one of the positions is hybrid linebacker safety. Um, I don't know if we, can we call it the bullet. I don't. I still we can call it the bullet. We can call it. <laughs> we don't know if a bullet actually exists, but for this, we can call it the bullet. I'll allow okay, it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I got my bullet. It's the thirteenth overall pick. I'm glad right. that, that makes me a lot happier to hear that you guys were going to take him too. So now it was. <laughs> he was not going to fall in my lap later. No, he was certainly not. I have. <laughs> I'm looking at this. I got quite a few ways to go, but ultimately got to stay up front. Given my team right now, I'm grabbing Ben Christman. Yep. I can grab a borderline top 100 um, offensive tackle. I'm gonna, I'm going to take that and, and feel good about that. Yes, off- offensive line people will be proud at the rate at which we are taking them yeah. in this, this <laughs> trend so far. And I am um, an offensive line person, so I'm not even going to lie. You guys just came out of there shocking me by how quickly yeah. you guys were snagging them. You were strategizing, hoping that we were gonna, we were just going to go for the glamour position. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, I had no <laughs> idea this was coming. All right, so we're on the 15th overall pick. I'm going to go ahead and get my running back now. I'm going to draft Evan yeah. Pryor. Ah. <laughs> You hear an agony in Zach's voice as I took his boy. That's that's two guys now that I was was hoping we're gonna keep falling, keep sliding. But. Yeah, figure you know you know these guys you know getting the top choice at quarterback and receiver. You know I got I got to go ahead uh, get me a top notch running back uh, for my offense. So I'm going with Evan Pryor. Next choice here. I feel like you know got to keep this balanced. Got to go back to my defense. Tough choice between a couple guys here for me, but I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to get my hybrid guy as well. I'm going to go ahead and get C.J. Hicks. Uh, I think he's a guy who's got a lot of versatility, uh, play bullet, linebacker, uh, whatever. I like having a guy like that on my defense. So I'm going with C.J. Hicks with the uh, 16th overall pick, I believe it is. Yep, and the second uh, guy from the class of 2022 being taken after Tegra. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going young. I got my two, yeah. two 2022 guys already. 
High upside. High upside picks here. Stash them when you can. Like an overseas NBA player. I've also got a lot of Ohio guys between Paris, Jack, Tegra, and CJ. I'm the uh, Jim Trussell picker here so far. (laughs) All right. All right. So I'm looking at my big board right now. I actually don't have a big board. I'm unlike you guys, but I know you guys have one, so I want to make make sure I sound pretty cool (laughs) over here. Um, I am going to go with a guy whose name I can't pronounce. Tunmise Tun. Zach, say it. I got you. I got you. To me, I've been I've been practicing for weeks for this moment. To Miche, Adelia, and there's not, still a, there's still a fifty percent chance I got it. That was not what I thought it was. Nope. To, Same. Which well, is why I'm glad I, I tossed it over to him. I I had uh, I had to Miche. I had um I had interviewed him a couple weeks ago, and I had him pronounce it for me. And I don't know if it was my recorder or what, but I swear he pronounced it two different ways. <laughs> So I was still I was listening to it back like ten times. I'm like, okay, I know it's a hundred percent to Miche, and I'm like seventy percent sure it's Adelia. I mean, I'm a bright side. You cannot be doing worse than David Stern here as a commissioner pronouncing <laughs> these names. That's I'll true. take I will take the newly minted five star on rivals as 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 my uh, top defensive lineman right now. And I will say when I was talking about the two defensive guys I was considering, that was the other one was was him. So I like that pick. Yeah, I and did too. He was, he was the guy I was thinking about taking as well. I think, am I up? You are. Oh, two in okay. a row. Oops. That was the 18th overall? That was 17. 17. I never did math well. <laughs> so, all right. Now, I'm, I'd, 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 I want a defensive lineman. I know how important it is, but I uh, feel like maybe I could take some guys that are lower on my – maybe I can wait a little bit and – have Larry Johnson develop those guys into premium pass rushers down the road. I'm, uh, I got my bullet. I got court. And the reason he, he's just so versatile and he's going to be able to be used in so many different ways. Thought he looked good in the one spring practice that we saw. Um, and I'm going to take, I'm going to take my slot corner here. I'm going to take Andre Turrentine, another versatile guy. With the 19th overall pick. Interesting. And well, that was eighteen. Now you now you have nineteen. 18. Now yeah, okay. Here we go. So Turrentine and uh, give me give me G Scott. I'll take I'll take G Scott. I'll take a second receiver. So why those two over all the other receivers and cornerbacks on the board? So I lo- I I love Turrentine's versatility. I'm watching his tape and um, reading, reading up other analysis about him. He just with how Sean Wade is used in Ohio State's defense as I mean arguably the most most important player on the defense. I just feel like he's going to be used in a similar way, and I, I just feel like he's too valuable to pass up there. With G. Scott, it, it was between him and uh, another receiver um, on my board, and I just uh, looking at him. He's already he's already college, he's already college ready um, body wise, and he he flashed in that spring practice that we saw um, that ability to be a possession receiver. I just I want a guy I want a guy that I know I can count on for for Stroud to throw to. So 
Sounds like you guys have some contentions with those picks. Tell me, tell me what you think. No, I can't tell you what you think because there are other guys on the board right now, Zach. Come on. <laughs> Who are, I, I, I like that, it. though. You, you saw tried it. You to, saw the slide. Yeah, no, I, I, I saw that. Well, I'm up right now, and I was a little worried that you were going to take this guy, but it doesn't seem like you were. Um, I'm going to go with Mike Hall um, as my second defensive lineman, considering I have um, you guys went on, on a on a big offensive line run early. I'm gonna I'm gonna snag two defensive linemen and him and uh, two 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 to two me. Adelaide to Miche to Miche Adelaide. <laughs> well, he I remember uh, in that interview he was like, "You're gonna have ample time to get to to get to know how to pronounce it." I'm sure oh, need, it's gonna need, take a long time for yeah, everybody. I need much more time than I than I've had thus far, apparently. All right, now I'm up pick number 21 overall. I'm going to start out, I'm going to fill out my defensive line, and I'm going to draft Jacoby Cowan, a versatile guy. I think he could play outside or inside, uh, like pairing him up with Jack Sawyer, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of figure out you know, where he ultimately suits best uh, in the long run. But, you know, always want to have a good, strong group up front, so... Figured I'd grab my second defensive lineman. A few different positions I could consider here with my next pick. I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna go ahead and grab. I'm gonna go ahead and grab a corner, and I'm gonna grab Legend Cavazos. Right on. So now you got. Let's see. On your defense, you got you're filling out your defense pretty well here. I am. Yep. Got. I do. I have uh, only t- only two picks left on the defensive side of the ball. So Sawyer, Cowan, Hicks, Cavazos, and Ransom feel pretty good about that group. Colin, does that surprise you? You know, you've been working with Dan longer than I have. Does it surprise you that he's loading up on defense rather than offense? No, I see Is that exactly, on brand. I see exactly what he's doing at his playmaking positions. No. Yeah, I see. I see. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm doing. <laughs> I see, yeah, no, I, I know exactly what he's doing. He's going straight by value rather than the players yeah. that, that he likes. He's basically Daryl Morey over here. Exactly. That's, that's, what I, that's what I said I was going to do. I was going to abandon strategy to take the best available, but I haven't really been following my strategy as well as I wanted to. Like the 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 the, 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 the Kalen Johnson pick really threw me off, Colin. I'm, I'm glad I could do that. Threw me off my strategy. <laughs> All right, so my next pick, I'll go with the one guy who's not committed, and I'm going to go with Hudson Wolf at tight end um, to go along with the other studs that I've got on that side of the ball. Because from everything that I've heard, is he's he's just really solid all around, all around tight end, and I think he fits into to what I'm building. Yeah, it's a good thing I'm building up that defense because Colin's got Colin's got a lot of weapons on that offense. Well, as long as they get more than three seconds in the backfield, then then I'll be okay. There you go. Let's see. So that was the twenty third overall pick, and I'm up at twenty four. Um, I need to start attacking. Get some defensive linemen. Give me uh, give me Ty Hamilton on a defensive line. And uh, I'm, I was, I remember I I filled out what an ideal what an ideal roster would look like for me, and I had Ty Hamilton on my roster because I'm hoping he uh, he ends up developing into just like his brother did, just like Devon Hamilton did. 
And he's the guy. He's the guy I had highest up on my board on the defensive line. There you go. Getting and then, uh, and let's see who else is available. I'm gonna take taking another corner. No, no, I'm not taking another corner. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take the guy again. I'm going higher up on my on my value board, and I actually had. I had this guy at number ten on my board because I I really like him. Um, the more the more I've uh, gotten to kind of get acquainted with him and his skill set, and I was hoping he was going to fall, and he fell he fell enough. I'm taking Jansen Dunn to be my to be my safety. But by, by the way, Zach, this has this has to be asked. If Troy Stilato had committed, would he have been your number one overall? Uh, no, number one overall, no doubt. I, we would have been right on to the next one. I don't even know if I would have given an explanation. I would just said Troy Stilato, boom, let's roll. Zach is going to be heartbroken <laughs> if Troy Stilato does not commit to Ohio State. He he was like the one of the first people when I started in September. One of the first players that I was like analyzing, and I just I fell in love with his skill set and. Ever since then, I keep I talk to, I keep talking them up to Dan and Colin and all of our readers. So I'm sure they know. But yeah, if he if he would have been committed, I'm sure he would have been on my team. No doubt about it. All right, so I'm looking over the draft board right now. Um, I mean, there's one position I cannot believe has been dove into yet, but I'm not going to go there yet because I'm going to go ahead. And get Ryan Watts, um, who is going to pair up uh, in the in the in the back defensive backfield with Jacalyn Johnson. For me, he is maybe not the the number one speedster on the defense, but he's super long. Um, I think he's got the athleticism. He's 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 got the frame for uh, my defensive coordinator because I've just snagged Kerry Combs as well. I think I just took him um, along along with uh, with Ryan Watts and Jacalyn Johnson. So I'm really feeling good about the the development that I've that I've got that going there as well. So does that mean I have Larry Johnson? Oh shoot, that's <laughs> tough. I think I think I think no, I don't know. I don't know. I was gonna I was gonna say you know. I don't know. Zach and I are gonna have to fight for the death over stud with how how early we both drafted offensive linemen. Apparently. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna guess the position Colin was referring to that we hadn't tapped into yet was linebacker. Yep. I'm gonna go ahead and do that now. I'm gonna draft Cody Simon. Who he was. I like it. He was in the top. He, he was in the top twenty on my board. So to get him here at what are we at now? Pick twenty seven. What are we overall? We are at. I think we're at twenty-seven, or t- I think we should be at twenty-seven. I think, but. Yep, twenty-seven. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So pick twenty-seven. End of round nine. I'll take the top linebacker on my board, and I will take Cody Simon. Round ten. I'm finally going to go ahead and tap into the receiver market. And I'm going to prevent Colin from keeping the St. Joseph's Philadelphia uh, combo yeah. alive. I'm going to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, of course, great bloodlines there, a lot of talent. I mean, I Colin's absolutely right. We talk about skill positions. I waited on drafting receivers because I would have been happy to land any two receivers on this team. Uh, they're they're so talented there. But uh, Marvin, top guy on my board at this point, couldn't pass him up any longer. Got yourself uh, the next Ben Victor. That's the guy that I know everyone compares him to. He's a good, 
possession receiver. He's he might end up being a top fifty player overall. I know he's ranked I think fifty eighth overall right now. So he keeps rising. I mean, I'm hoping I got the next Marvin Harrison. Oh yeah. <laughs> Dan, you were right when you mentioned that um, you thought that linebacker was the position that, that I was wondering how no one was picked, and, and that is exactly what I was thinking. And I'll be honest, my strategy was always just to wait, and if one of you guys grabbed either Reed Carricker or Cody Simon, then I was going to grab the other one right away. And so that's exactly what I'm going to do. You grab Cody Simon, I'm going to go grab Reed Carrico right now. Um, I like I like him a lot. I think he go he flies a little bit under the radar, be, just because you know in recruiting a lot of times the guys that they grab the headlines that that people talk about the most are the ones who are uncommitted for a long time. They're often out of state prospects who who are tough who are tough gets, and he's someone who I think a lot of people pegged as an Ohio State eventual Ohio State commit and signee, and that's exactly what he's going to be. But he's he's also really really good. He's he's going to be a high end four star. Uh, prospect for the duration of his recruitment, I think he'll he'll do really really good things at Ohio State. So to get him this late, I'm 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 pleased. I can't believe he he dropped that far. Honestly, I agree with I, I mean I agree with everything you said. I think he's going to be a stud too, and I figured he would have gone a lot sooner than this. So that's a that that might be that's up there with the best value pick of the draft. I think I'll we were all it. waiting on each other to draft a linebacker. Yep, I yeah. think so too. Yep, and then uh, so uh, with my next two picks, um, I'm going to address cornerback. Cornerback with uh, Jair Brown. I'm going to take him out of, uh, out of Louisiana. I think he's got as much upside as anybody. And again, I, again, we're drafting on upside a lot with a lot of these guys here, and that's never more. That's never truer than with than when you're drafting guys from the 2022 class um but i want another corner i want another corner to deal with collins offense to deal with somebody to guard trevion and julian um so i'm gonna take jair at number 30 overall and i will take my next pick i'm gonna take uh I'll take Josh Fryer. I'll load up on the offensive line, give myself a complete offensive line. Ah, you got me there. I was hoping. I was hoping to get him because the rest, you know, the rest of the guys are, you know, not like he's he's the only guy I think here that's played center if it's left. So I was kind of hoping to get him as my uh, interior offensive line linchpin, knowing he's a guy that can play all three spots. Yeah, that's amazing yeah, because he was going to be my Nets pick too. And for the number, we're in what around we like eleven or something like yep. that, and that was going to be all of our Nets pick. But but here we are. So Josh Fryer, he was going in round eleven. Uh, yeah. No matter what. <laughs> Apparently, I, I had no idea. But yeah, so I'm going to respond to that by sticking on the offensive line. And I've said before that I think that this might, this guy might be a little bit um, under the radar, a kind of guy who who I think is going to have a really solid career at Ohio State, and that's Jacob James um, from over in, in Cincinnati. Um, he might not be ranked as a as highly as some of your uh, offensive linemen, but but I like getting him this late. All right, so we're at now pick 33. We're, we're mostly at the point here. Um, I think looking at the board, there's really only two positions. No, I guess there's three positions left where there's an actual choice of guys at this point uh, before we get to the end. I'm going to go ahead and 
I'm I'm going to go ahead and take my second receiver. I'm going to take Mookie Cooper. Um, you know, I think Mookie's a, a really intriguing guy. Uh, just you know, his ability to you know be a weapon in the slot and a really uh, quick, explosive guy would have been happy with either receivers left on the board. But uh, he's got a really uh, intriguing skill set to me. And then I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to grab my tight end, and I'm going to grab Sam Hart out of Colorado. Yeah, Mookie Cooper. I was when I said earlier I was taking uh, G Scott over another receiver. Mookie was the other one. Just because I, I I feel like I don't have I don't have a ton of speed right now on offense. Um, I still don't. I'm going to end up with Mayan Williams as my running back and G G Scott's my receiver. So I was thinking about taking Mookie in the slot. Again, it's a good value pick. Yeah, you got so, Jackson. Jackson's got some speed. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I it would have been again my draft strategy early was to draft speed as, as many positions as I could, and then that was just abandoned at some point down the road. So, I will. Uh, I will go ahead and take Grant Tutant real quick as my final offensive lineman, um, and I like the way my offense looks right right about now. I'm gonna be honest, guys. I I like I like how this is gone. Yeah, so that gives you Ben Christman, Jacob James, and Grant Tutant. Mm-hmm. I was so, a little worried about my offensive line to begin with, but but I feel I, I like all three guys that I got and the value that I got them at. Yeah, and I I'm, I'm gonna need I need my linebacker. Um, there's only one left on the board. Uh, true, but and this is uh, what we said earlier when we move positions around a little bit. Uh, Mitchell Melton out of Maryland. He's most likely from things that from what it sounds like is it's most likely that he moves down to the. Uh, with his hand in the dirt as a defensive end, but, I'm not so uh, sure about that. I think Al, I, I think Al Washington had mentioned that he was going to be going, uh, that he was going to be sticking as a linebacker. Did we lose Collins, Mike again? <laughs> again, yeah. With the I, no, can no. you hear me now? I can hear you no, now, we but we couldn't you. for a minute. Ooh. I got worried there for a sec, guys. I got worried. Um, What I was saying is, I think that I think that they're going to give Mitchell Melton the shot at linebacker first, with the idea that you know, if maybe he outgrows that position, sort of like Cade Stover in year two, then they could potentially think about moving him down to the defensive end. But I think at least right now, for for his freshman season, I do expect him at linebacker. Just so you guys know, in the process of recording this, we've already had Collins' mic drop. Uh, we'll go two and a half times. I think that was a half. The first two, we we uh, had to stop and restart. So hopefully, by the time you're listening this, you listening to this, you can't tell. But uh, if there's some technical glitches along the way, we're doing our best to work through them. Blame it on me. Yeah, yeah. We just assumed that his mic cut out again, but dodged the bullet there. Um, with my with my next pick, I'm filling out my defensive line. I'm going to take. I'm taking Darian Henry Young with the 36th overall pick. Um, so I got uh, I got two guys who, with Ty Hamilton and Darian Henry Young, uh, two guys who are versatile, could end up as defensive ends, but uh, could end up kicking inside. So I got some versatility along the defensive line and really all over the defense if you look at it. I mean, I got Ty Hamilton, Darian Court Williams is my as my hybrid. Andre Turrentine, um, 
play slot corner or safety, and Jansen Dunn is safety or a corner. So I like the versatility of my defense, and that's uh, that's filled out now. All right, so I am left with Jaden Ballard as the final wide receiver on the board, and I feel very confident in getting him right now. Awesome. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we were if we were uh, ranking players just based on. Uh, just ranking players. I don't think Jaden Ballard would be 37th on the board. So uh, to be getting him this late is a uh, product of just how loaded Ohio State is at wide receiver. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I feel I feel very confident in, in him right now. But um, obviously that's just that was my strategy was get Julian Fleming early and then get whichever wide receivers left because I know that I'm going to get a top 100 down the line, top 100 overall prospect down the line. Sticking with that thing, if this was a true draft, there's no way Jack Miller would be the 38th player off the board. But because those guys drafted quarterbacks one and two, I knew that I'd be able to you know, wait as long as I wanted on quarterbacks. So now that we're at the point where we're really just kind of filling out the last spots and positions, I'll get Jack Miller. And, and, and yeah, I was, I'm not going to lie, I was ecstatic when Zach and Colin picked quarterbacks to first two picks just because... I feel good about getting Jack Miller, and uh, you know I think you know time's going to tell you know who the best guy out of these three guys. But uh, to get Jack Miller, you know, as a third guy, I felt really good about that. So to be able to you know start my draft with with Jack and Paris, uh, Jack Sawyer that is, and Paris Johnson, uh, really happy to be able to get Jack Miller this late in the draft uh, to lead my offense at quarterback, and then I got to fill out my offensive line. So I will go with Trey Larue. Uh, you know, this is where maybe drafting the two tackles early backfires on me because I think Trey LaRue is a tackle as well. So now I'm left with three tackles and no true interior guy. Uh, in this case, you have to move Trey inside to guard uh, and see what he can do there. He's, he's pretty tall for a guard. He's pretty tall for a guard. Uh, all of these guys are pretty tall for a guard. But what I do like about this group is I've got three massive offensive tackles for guys uh, with a ton of length, uh, a ton of size. Uh, I really do like that about the, the group that I have up front. So I'll follow that up and uh, I'll grab Jalen Johnson right now for the uh, grabbing another uh, Cincinnati native and as my hybrid linebacker safety with one more pick on my on my team to go. But, but Zach, I know you've got back-to-back picks right here. Yep, and uh, I'm gonna, I only have two picks left, right? I'm looking at my board. Yep, running back and tight end. So uh, I'll take Mayan Williams and Joe Royer, two uh, two Cincinnati guys. So I got some. I'm adding some toughness to my team. I like that. And I'll follow that up real quick by grabbing Cameron Martinez to, to round out my team. I'll be honest, Dan. I think you took Jansen Dunn earlier in the draft, and I was. No, I was Zach. That was oh, me. that was Zach. Yeah, I was a little bit worried that you were going to take Cameron Martinez because I I did want Cameron Martinez. I mean, I I think that that he's absolutely one of those that those underrated prospects. That that um, there's a reason why Ohio State is going to play him on both sides of the ball to start his career because he is he is extremely talented for for especially where he's ranked and to get him um, as as the third safety, I feel. I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, I actually had Cameron Martinez 17th on my board, so I'm shocked that he fell uh, all the way to the end here. But, you know, part of that, too, I think a function of what we're doing here uh, by kind of picking guys at specific positions, 
Cameron Martinez is a guy who could end up at three or four different positions at Ohio State. So uh, if, if we weren't you know, picking guys in specific positions, I think he probably would have gone higher just because of his versatility. Uh, but I agree. I think that's a, a really good pick uh, to get as your last pick in the draft. And then I'll round it off by getting the final corner, Devontae Smith. Uh, that'll, that'll round out my defense. All right. So how are you feeling about your teams, boys? Looking at the rosters here. I think I feel pretty good about about what I got, you know, just to kind of roll through mine. I've got Jack Miller at quarterback, Evan Pryor at running back, Marvin Harrison and Mookie Cooper at receiver, Sam Hart at tight end. I think that's a really uh, quality group of skill position guys. And then with Paris Johnson, Tegra Shibola leading the offensive line up front with, with Trey LaRue, I think there's a ton of upside there. Uh, of course, Jack Sawyer uh, getting him on defense uh, is huge. Uh, I, I was—I mean, he he would have been my the number one overall pick if I got the number one pick. So uh, to get him at number three, I was really happy about that. And then Jacoby Cowan, Cody Simon, C.J. Hicks, Legend Cavazos, Devonte Smith, Lathan Ransom. Uh, feel good about that. You know, I you know the good thing about it is there's so much talent in these classes that it, it it'd be kind of hard to feel bad about your team no matter how it plays out. But I think. You know, getting guys like like Paris and Jack uh, to lead the way in the trenches uh, was as good of a start as I could have asked for. Yeah, yeah. and uh, to make a final point about that, Devontae Smith was the last pick of the draft, and he had offers from Alabama and Oregon. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> he's he's still good. he's still a really good player, and he was the last pick of this draft, which I mean really speaks to how deep and talented this uh, Ohio State's uh, these three classes are. To run through my team quickly, um, I have Kyle McCord at quarterback, Travion Henderson at running back, Julian Fleming and Jaden Ballard at wide receiver, and then Hudson Wolf at tight end. And if I'm looking at my team right now, the way that I win is by those five guys being better than the the five guys at those positions on the on the on your two teams. Um, that's why I drafted them highly, and and I and I think that that's where I would have the edge. Uh, the rest of the team is I have Ben Chrisman and Jacob James and Grant Tuton on the offensive line. Then I have uh, Tumiche. Glad I grabbed him since I can say his name even more. Um, and then Mike Hall on the defensive line, and then Reed Carrico, Jalen Johnson as as linebackers, and then Jacalyn Johnson, uh, Ryan Watts, and and Cameron Martinez as my as my defensive backs and. Um, I think that I think Dan makes a good point where it's like, you know, you can't look at that team and, and think that that's bad. But then we're gonna go to Zach's team in a sec, and I may be feeling pretty confident about what my team uh, looks like. But I think all three of these teams are, are, are pretty solid. So Zach, go ahead. What what do you have? That and Colin there gave the the little passive aggressive. I like my team if I'm looking at if I'm comparing it to Zach's. I see what you <laughs> sly what you did there. <laughs> And I still, I'm, I'm never going to forgive you, Colin, for taking my guy, Jacqueline Johnson. I thought, every, I was rolling along, I was, I was ready to take him. Um, I got my quarterback, C.J. Stroud, running back, Mayan Williams, my receivers, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and G. Scott Jr., tight end, Joe Royer, and my three offensive linemen are Donovan Jackson, Luke Whippler, and Josh Fryer. Um, like I said, I have two interior guys there who can play center or guard, and Jackson and Whippler, and Josh Fryer, who can play all three positions. So I feel pretty good about that. Um, and on defensive line, I have Ty Hamilton and Darian Henry Young, two versatile guys who could kick inside or potentially uh, play as defensive ends. Linebacker, I have Mitchell Melton at my hybrid or bullet, whatever we want to call it. I have Court Williams, who 
might be my favorite pick just because I got him all the way at 13, and I, I'm as high on him as I am with anybody else. Andre Turrentine as my slot corner, uh, Jair Brown as my other corner, and Jansen Dunn might be my second favorite uh, value pick. I got him at 25, and I know he's uh, he might be lower in the rankings, um, relatively speaking, but I I love him there. I I I, I think I think I like I like my the back end of my defense a lot to match up with uh, your guys' speed. So what we're gonna do uh, this will also be in article form on 11warriors.com and, and we'll put up a poll there as well and we want you guys to vote on, on who has the best team so uh, we want to hear your guys comments uh, your votes on, on who has the best team and uh, you know we'll see if the readers decide ultimately they're the, they're the objective ones who, who will determine uh, which of our teams uh, is the best of the three yeah I'm looking forward to see what they have to say because our I'm sure they'll they'll have plenty of input, and I can't wait to to hear what they had to say. Before we get you out of here, Zach, we gotta we gotta ask you a couple you know more questions just about recruiting. You know, Ohio State. I mean, we we I mean, it, this exercise I think just shows you how impressive Ohio State has been on the recruiting trail with all these guys they've already landed for 2021 and 2022, where you know we can already almost build three full three full lineups. Out of, out of all of them that's that's the kind of work that ohio state's put in on the recruiting trail but you know just just how do you evaluate you know what ohio state's doing right now and who's next i mean it's it's obviously it's pretty impressive very not pretty impressive it's very impressive they became a national recruiting storyline because of how hot they got on the recruiting trail when no one's allowed to go anywhere um and i i think next obviously they have 18 commits in the 2021 class with Hunter Jesse Murko committing um, a few days ago. And I kept working on the premise of they were going to be at 23 or 24 commits in the 21 class. Um, but I kept forget I kept writing that and I kept forgetting that they might be taking a punter. And a week before he committed, I was asking around, seeing if they might take a punter. But it, the consensus was probably not because Michael O'Shaughnessy is there. Um, and we we thought maybe he would end up being being the guy, but so they take Jesse Murko at number eighteen. Um, so I, I'm thinking probably twenty five sounds like the number for this class. With uh, so we're looking at probably seven more commits. And um, by happenstance, I know we had Hudson Wolf in the recruit draft, uh, but as as the only uncommitted guy in who was draft eligible, but. Um, if I'm saying who's next, as far as the 21 class goes, if I'm saying who's next, I would put my money on Hudson Wolf, um, even though it's not like he's silently committed or that's a done deal or anything, like I said earlier, but it sounds like, um, he, he sounds like from what I've heard, he's an Ohio state lean as of right now. And he's wanting to make a commitment in June sometime, or I believe July 1st, uh, was the, was the latest that. I heard that I've, I've been told he would make a commitment. So Hudson Wolf, it sounds like, could be the next guy um, in the class, and we'll see where things go from here. But it doesn't—it doesn't seem like there's really going to be much slowdown. You mentioned that about O'Shaughnessy at punter. Why do you think Ohio State did decide to go ahead and give a full scholarship to Jesse Murko, the, the punter from Australia? Uh, I mean. It worked out pretty well last time when they went and grabbed a punter from us from Pro Kick Australia, right? 
Um, obviously, that was with Cameron Johnston. That was a, a bit more out of desperation because uh, they lost Johnny Townsend at the last minute to Florida, a last minute flip to Florida. And Kerry Combs went into Australia and got got Johnston, and the rest is the rest is history. He ended up being ended up being awesome. He made he made it to the NFL, and he um, so I think they see a lot of that same high upside in in Mirko. And I, I talked to Jesse, and I, I I'm not going to pretend like I know punting strategy or anything like that. So I I had him tell me I had him tell me in his own words what. What do you bring to the table? Like, why did they? Why did they? Um, why did they want to bring you into the class? And he said, it, it comes back to the ad nauseum. I'm versatile. He said, in his words, I bring a lot of variety to the table. So he said, uh, I can. I can. Sp- the way that he kicks the ball, um, he's able to to roll out. He, he can kick both traditional spiral or Australian punts from the pocket, as well as having the ability to roll out both ways. I believe my ability to land the ball accurately and as close to the one yard line is a strength is a strength of mine as well as all Aussie punters have. Um, so there's again, it's high upside and versatility, which is something that even for punters, I guess, um, is something that Ohio State is looking for in its recruits. Twenty twenty two up to free free commitments as we talked about earlier with uh, Tegra Shabola, Jair Brown, and CJ Hicks. Any more commitments on the horizon for that class? Um, it's, if I'm, if I'm putting my money on it, there's, I, I think I said this the other day was there's three, there's three candidates in my mind. That would be offensive lineman, Blake Miller from Strongsville, Ohio, Gabe Powers, the linebacker slash potential defensive end from Marysville. And then, uh, Deshaun McCullough, who's a linebacker, outside linebacker from Kansas. And he went to this, he's from the same city, Olathe, Kansas, as uh, as Isaiah Simmons from Clemson, but went to different high schools. But um, comparable players as far as being able to bring again personal skill sets to the table, uh, as far as being able to blitz off the edge and being able to cover guys in the slot. If I'm if I'm putting money on it, I'm saying I'm gonna I'm confidently believing that Blake Miller will be the next one in the 2022 class. Um, I do believe Gabe Powers will be will end up being a commit in the class. It's just a matter of when not if um i know he wants to visit clemson at some point when things open back up but i do think that it ends up being powers ends up a buckeye zach i am shocked that you did not mention uh who mccullough's father is you know I, i'm trying to bring some objectivity here i'm trying not to mention the chiefs as much as possible but it is nice <laughs> when uh I, when i do mention the chiefs i always make sure to mention the super bowl champion kansas eight chiefs um obviously they saw Deshaun's uh, father is the chief Kansas City Chiefs running back, running backs coach. Um, and if you guys don't remember, again, Chiefs won the Super Bowl in February. In case you forgot, that's what I that's what I was waiting to hear from you. <laughs> I was waiting. For, I was waiting for you to set me up. I don't want to say it right off the bat. I wanted someone to want you to kind of give me a softball there. We did have a reader question for you from Weave seventy seven. He asked. Is there a specific reason why Ohio State didn't offer Terrence Lewis? Um, I it, it just I don't have a, a concrete answer. I know that there were, from what I've heard, um, it just sounded like there wasn't completely mutual interest from both parties. If I can, I'm trying to put it as lightly as possible. Um, 
And they're higher on some other guys. I mean, there's uh, Rajon Davis, who's an LSU commit, and I know they're higher on him than some other guys like Terrence Lewis. So um, there are a lot of moving parts with, with things like this. So I know um, him and Terrence Lewis and Al Washington ended up getting on the phone, and we all expected a, a, an offer coming. Um, but he ended up with Tennessee's class, which is also on fire right now over the past two weeks. How many commits are they up to now? Uh, 21 after getting a quarterback. Unless I know they're supposed to get someone today. Um, I don't know if he ended up. Um, I don't know if he ended up committing. I believe they're up to 21. Yeah, no one, no one hotter in terms of uh, number of commits right now than Tennessee. I believe they're up to number two now in the composite rankings. Ohio State vote still holding a comfortable lead for the number one class of 2021 i don't know if colin has any questions for you but well, i do got i think that i think Go you ahead. wanted to ask I, I was just gonna let you ask about the steak emoji i gotta ask i gotta ask. ask i mean someone's gotta <laughs> ask about the steak emojis i gotta ask you about the steak emoji zach because uh that has been the mystery of its gripping twitter over the past week is why What's the deal with the steak emojis? Do you do you have any insight, Zach, into what the deal is with the steak emojis? There, it's as lightly as I can put it. It's an inside joke. Um, I had my own theory, which was debunked, which <laughs> uh, we won't get into. Um, but I, it's it's basically it's an inside joke between the commits and the class and the, and the coaches. So um, I don't necessarily think that it has anything to do with the impending commitment. In fact, I know it doesn't. Um, but, yeah, so inside joke is as, uh, is, is as good as we can put it. That's, that's the fun of recruiting, is it, it, it legitimately only takes one emoji from a, a Mark Pantone or a commit to get people wondering what's coming next. That is social media and recruiting in the year 2020 but uh, i know uh, zach's theory was quickly debunked on twitter uh so we won't get into that but uh zach we really appreciate you joining us this week uh doing a draft with us and uh, answering some recruiting questions for us as well and we'll definitely have to have you back on here again soon absolutely looking forward to waiting that reader poll for the best for the best draft so man he's talking he's talking trash well, uh, we'll, I mean, I can't how... wait. I can't wait. I don't know about you, Dan, but I can't wait for uh, Zach to get off the phone here so we can finish this up and just rip apart his draft. <laughs> oh, I'll be, I'll be ripping it too. But uh, I guess it'll be to myself. I'm not going to be on the same call with you guys. But I'll be, I'll be dissecting both of your guys, your guys' teams. That's I right. will, I will say this about Zach. He is a loyal Real Pod Wednesdays listener. So Colin and I know that anything we say about Zach and his draft after he logs off here, is going to be heard by him because he he is one of our most loyal listeners. He listens every single week, uh, along with, I believe, about 20 other podcasts that he listens to. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it, honestly, yeah, that's a good number. I think I counted the other day, and I think I have 12 separate ones, 12 separate shows I listen to. Zach, we are honored to be uh, part of your uh, podcast queue, and we are honored that you uh, took an hour out of your day to join us on, on this week's show. So, uh, thanks so much, and we'll have you back on again soon. All right, absolutely, boys. Thanks for having me. 
All right, so we just finished up our recruit draft there. Colin, what are the horrible things you're going to say about Zach's draft now? I mean, let's be honest. He's coming in third place, Dan. We can <laughs> say this right now. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 feel pretty, I feel pretty good about mine. I think you feel pretty good about yours. Um, going to be I'll, interested. Yeah, to I'll, see. I'll be honest uh, about my draft just real quick once more since uh, I, didn't, I didn't mention this at, at the end. Um, starting off with a five-star quarterback, running back, and wide receiver is going to get me more votes than it deserves just because people are going to look at that and be like, oh, wow. Yeah, like that's 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 a good that's a good starting point. So yeah, I may or may not have been playing to the crowd there. Yeah, I think Zach is going to be hurt by his lack of five stars because I think we got most of the five stars with between the three that you just mentioned and then uh, Jack Sawyer and Paris Johnson. Our friend Ari Washman would be proud of us. Well, yes, he would. Yes, he would. As as Ari Wasserman, make sure that everybody knows talent is everything. In college football, and if we're going to segue off of that, uh, we can we can talk about the quarterbacks because uh, Colin just started a state of a position series on Eleven Warriors that he does each year, and we figured we'd turn that into a podcast segment here as well to help us get through these summer months. So started off, of course, with the quarterbacks and. Uh, a lot of talent in the quarterback room, talent that could be coming into that quarterback room as well, as evidenced by Collins' first-round pick, Kyle McCord. But uh, just starting off, of course, with this year, the position that Ohio State didn't go into this year with Justin Fields returning, C.J. Stroud and, and Jack Miller both coming in as potential future starters, and then also having Gunnar Hoke, a, a veteran backup, four total quarterbacks, hitting the ideal number that Ryan Day wants of that room. I don't think Ohio State could ask to be in any better position at quarterback right now than it is right now. No, I think that's true. And I think that I think doing the exercise that I did where, you know, I projected that at the end of each article I project the depth charge for the next three seasons. I think when you do that, you even realize, you know, I don't really know how they're gonna have four quarterbacks in the room each of the next uh, each of the following two seasons, so during the 21 and 22 seasons. So to me, the fact that you reach the four quarterbacks that, that, that you want, that Ryan Day wants, that he said he wants, and one of them is Justin Fields, one of them is a fifth-year uh, backup who, who should be able to provide um, some some at least some confidence uh, in the fact that he's been around so often and then or so long and then and then you have CJ Stroud and Jack Miller as the two guys who are going to compete over the next year to become the 2021 starter I mean this is about as optimal as a quarterback room as you can get in the modern age is it, that's sort of where I think they are right now and and I really think that if you however much you you want to you want to praise Ryan Day for for getting them in a situation. I think I think he deserves it all because you know this has really been done by him going out and getting Justin Fields, then realizing the the need for a quarterback, getting Gunnar Hogan as as a veteran backup, and then going out and you keep Jack Miller who committed during the Urban Meyer regime, and then you land C.J. Stroud later in the process while also maintaining the commitment of Jack Miller, that to me is just incredibly impressive that, that he managed to do that, and, and he deserves all kinds of props for getting the Buckeyes in this position with that quarterback. Yeah, I think if you want to nitpick or, or at least just pick out you know what a concern would be for the current quarterback room, I think it's the fact that you know two of your four guys are true freshmen who have never played a game at the collegiate level, and that one of those guys might potentially be your next man up if 
something happens to Justin Fields. But like you just said, the reality is it, you'd love to have that room where you've got you know you know four guys and you know three of those guys all have experience and you're just kind of keeping that constant development. But in in the modern era of college quarterbacks where transfers are so frequent, you know that's just not that realistic. So to have you know, two potential future starters there in C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller, and then, of course, having Justin Fields. Uh, that's about as good as you can ask for. I think just that one that one big question mark right now, especially with the unusual offseason, is are you going to have a backup that's truly ready to go for the start of a season? I think, you know, that's your big question, is, is how do you make up for lost time with Stroud and Miller to get those guys ready to go, or are you really going to have to lean on Gunnar Hoke at the start of a year after missing these, this amount of practice time? Yeah, and it may even be weird for us to, to hit on this the, the, this perceived weakness so so much, but it is is a point that is worth, uh, worth making just because you saw last year Justin Fields get dinged up um, quite a few uh, amount of times for, for a quarterback, um, and, it, and it makes you think, you know, if that happens early in the season, say the the Oregon game happens as expected, and maybe maybe Justin Fields gets gets hit a couple times, and Ohio State needs a quarterback for a drive or two in that game, like who's it going to go to? Is it going to go to to Gunnar Hoke, who played I believe forty eight snaps last year? Is it going to go to a, a CJ Stroud or a Jack Miller who managed to get three spring practices in, and then whatever they get in the in the fall camp, the preseason camp? Um, I do think it's worth mentioning. That said, if that's the only weakness, like there, <laughs> I think that that speaks to, to where they are as a position group, uh, just in and of itself. How do you think this unusual off season is going to affect that quarterback competition of the future? Yeah, I think I think that's fascinating. I don't think that it necessarily impacts um, the twenty twenty one competition, but as we both know, if you get ahead in the 2020 backup competition, you become the backup, and then you you impress in the moments that you get in in games, uh, as we saw with Dwayne Haskins do uh, in in 2017 when they needed him when when JT Barrett got hurt against Michigan, and he just happened to be the backup because Joe Burrow earlier in the year had, had broken his hand and and it allowed Haskins to to make that move, and and. You know, that had a gigantic impact eventually on who would win the 2018 starting quarterback um, competition. And, you know, that's where it does come back to, all right, who is going to become, uh, who's going to who's going to rise higher on the on the depth chart? Will it be C.J. Stroud or, or Jack Miller in 2020? And will they be able to get ahead of Gunnar Hoke, who's going to be a fifth-year senior? And that's where I do think... Not having a spring makes it maybe a little bit harder to get ahead of Hoke, who, you know, he's been at Ohio State for, for a year now. Now, the interesting thing is I think that I think that as long as they have a, a preseason and the season goes off without a hitch and, you know, whether there are fans in the stands or not, they play every game. I do think generally not having a spring um, and, and them being away for the majority of the summer would – I don't think that would impact it a huge deal – but I will say, if, if things get pushed back, if maybe early season games get canceled, if, if something crazy happens, 
then I do think that, that that would have a notable effect on it just because, you know, you, you get these two guys early enrolled because you imagine by 2021 you're going to have a really good idea on, on what, what these two what these two quarterbacks would, would offer. Um, but that's where that's where things would get a little shaky. But, I mean, I don't think that we necessarily have to, have to play that game right now. It, but it, as we all know, I don't think you can rule anything else uh, out at the moment. Yeah, we'll we'll continue this conversation for a moment for today with the assumption that there will be a season, that we are going to see another season of Justin Fields, and that these guys are going to have an opportunity to go through a, a season this year, you know, before you know one of them would become a starter next year. But you know, you mentioned the Dwayne Haskins and, and Joe Burrow situation, and I think you know I, I keep thinking back to that when we discuss about discuss this and I think it's an apt comparison in some ways and I think in other ways it isn't because uh, you know it, it is in the sense of like you said that if one of these guys manages to pull ahead you know at some point this year that could ultimately be a deciding factor in the competition if, if this competition ends up being as close as that Haskins Burrow competition was it, it could only take you know one guy coming into a game and having a big performance, one one thing really going one guy's way to, to get that guy ahead in the competition. And, and and that could be the difference between being a star quarterback at Ohio State or, or transferring and going to play somewhere else. And I and I think it's also after the fact that I think both these guys have the potential to be really good. And I won't be surprised at all if one of these guys ends up going elsewhere and, and being a star somewhere else because I think they both have a ton of talent. I, I, I think what's different about it, obviously, is the fact that, you know, we look ahead to next year, we're talking about two guys who are going to be in their second year of college, who are going to be either true sophomores or redshirt freshmen at this point. We're not talking about, you know, guys who are, you know, it, it, Dwayne was a redshirt sophomore, uh, Burrow was a redshirt junior who was graduating from a university. So I think they're at a different point in their careers uh, and I think that's significant in multiple ways. I think it's, you know, first of all, significant in the fact that, you know, there's just less time for these guys to be ready to be a starting quarterback at Ohio State because one of these guys needs to be ready uh, within his, you know, by his second year at Ohio State. So I think, you know, that's significant. But I, but I also think it's significant, and I think this is where Colin and I disagree a little bit. But I also think it's significant in that. I think even the guy who loses the competition has options. It's it's not a situation where, you know, if there's a competition between these guys next year where the other guy necessarily is never going to have a chance to start at Ohio State. There's, it, it, you know, Burrow was in a position where he really didn't have a choice. He, he had to transfer uh, at that time or he... You know, really wasn't gonna. He 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 faced the idea. The, the idea was that Dwayne Haskins might start for two years, and Joe right. would have been there backing him up for two years. Right, that was a real possibility. So he he had to transfer at that point to ensure that he was going to get the chance to to start elsewhere. But you know, these guys aren't necessarily in that same boat. Now, with that being said, I also think Joe had more ties to Ohio State than these two because Joe's an Ohio kid. Joe, you know, I think. Joe really, really wanted to be the starting quarterback at Ohio State. It just didn't work out. You know, these guys, they might not have as deep a ties, whereas if, you know, they lose the competition, they might be more inclined uh, to look elsewhere, especially if 
We know it's not going to pass right away this year now, but it could pass next year for one-time transfer waiver. You know, that could open the door for one of those guys to go and transfer somewhere else and start immediately. I don't think that's as much of a foregone conclusion as I think Colin might think it is. I, I think, you know, there's going to be a lot to weigh there. And I also don't think that they should rush the competition next spring just so that uh, the second guy uh, has the opportunity to transfer. I don't necessarily think that they they should do that. But it, it, it does add a variable. It, it, it's one of those things that if we were talking about this, I mean, you, you know, you just think back to past quarterback competitions. I mean, heck, you even think back to, you know, JT Barrett and Cardale Jones, which was a different situation. But still, it, it's just a different situation. But five years ago, we wouldn't have been talking about Man, you know, do they have to make a decision by the end of spring so one of these guys can transfer? Uh, but that's the, that's the kind of world that we're in right now in college football where uh, you kind of expect that most quarterbacks aren't going to stick around and wait their turn. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. When I was writing that article, I initially put on the 2021 depth chart C.J. Stroud and, and Jack Miller both there mainly because like it feels uncomfortable leaving off a player who's never even been on the sideline wearing an Ohio State uniform um, and getting a getting a chance to play in a game leaving him off for his second year saying projecting him to transfer and I'll be honest like that like I didn't really enjoy doing that I, I felt bad doing that I felt like it was unfair to Jack Miller to do that but I also feel that you know in the way that quarterbacks move around these days, I feel like one of them will probably move on before the 2021 season. And no, that's not really fair, but also that's just the way that the position is. And like you mentioned, Dan, like these are not two guys who came to Ohio State because they grew up diehard Buckeyes. They have an Ohio State tattoo on their arm. These are guys who picked um, to, to become Buckeyes largely because of because of what Ryan Day can do for them, sure they they buy into to Ohio State. They learn to hate Michigan. They learn certain things about Columbus and Ohio State's campus that they love to do. But but also like ultimately they're they're here in Columbus because they want to go to the NFL and they think that Ryan Day can get them there. Um, and to me, the way that I see it is is I think that you know when when you recruit like that, you also have an idea that. You know, when it comes around to, to make a decision like who's going to be the starter next year, at least in, in my opinion, what, what I expect is that by the end of spring, they'll at least have enough of an idea of which of the two are, are ahead so that the other one can make a decision because otherwise they'll have made the decision to, to come to Ohio State and um, sit for at least the first three years of, of their career before getting a chance in the fourth year. And, and I get it. I, I think that... Um, I think that it's impossible to project which of the two will, will be the starter, um, in 2021 and, and whether that'll have an effect on, 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 um, which backup, uh, decides whether to stay or move on. But, um, the way I see it is I think that especially if that one time transfer waiver passes, that it makes it easy to move on because these two guys are talented enough to start at most um, universities by the time that they're sophomores. And to be clear, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm, I'm not being delusional. I'm not saying that I think either one of these guys is going to stay at Ohio State and, and be a career backup. I, I I don't think that. What what I what I do think is that you know there's options there. I think you know 
do they have to leave before the 2021 season? I mean, you could leave before the 2022 season. You know, I mean, you, mm-hmm. you, you, you're talking about most likely the guy who loses that competition most likely is probably going to redshirt one of those two years. It's probably going to be able to do that. So he most likely would still have three years of eligibility, at which point most likely there's going to be a process that allows a guy to transfer more easily. And so I don't I don't think you know there should be a rush for one of these guys to leave. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not going to do it. That, that's a decision that they can make, and we've seen plenty of other guys do that. We've seen Ohio State both benefit from that with Justin Fields and also lose guys because of that. So I certainly don't rule out that it could happen. I just don't. I'm not I'm not there where I'm going to go ahead and assume that's going to happen, or I'm, I'm not there where I'm going to say I think that should dictate how Ohio State runs its quarterback competition. Because I don't, I don't think, I, I, I think it, to have a competition that extends into the fall for guys in their second year of college, I don't think that's being unfair to, to, either, to either one of them. And I think there's a legitimate argument you could make, and obviously Ohio State's going to make this argument. Not everybody's going to make this argument. But I think there's a legitimate argument you could make that, you know, let's say, you, let's say one of these guys loses that competition. Even by the end of the spring, they can see the writing on the wall that they're not going to win the competition. There could still be legitimate advantages to staying for another year, developing under Ryan Day for another year, and then going somewhere else in 2022 when you have the advantage of a full offseason with that team to be able to train with them. So I, 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 don't, I don't think, you know, I would just put it from these guys' perspective. I don't think I don't think either one of them should feel like they have to look at it that if I haven't been named the starter by the end of the spring of 2021, I need to transfer. I think I, I think they have options there, and I think ultimately it's just going to come down to you know what's in the best interest of that guy. And certainly, if it becomes clear that one of those guys is the front runner at the end of the spring of 2021, I would not blame the other guy if he decided that he had to transfer, but. I think there's going to be options there. I don't think it's nearly a similar situation as Burrow to where he kind of knew it was now or never. Yeah, I think it. I think it's fair. And the one point that I'll make too is, you know, I I'm also not endorsing this as what they should do. I'm just sort of reading the tea leaves of what is happening at the position in college football. And the way I see it, too, is, you know, Ryan Day plays the transfer game. Ryan Day brings in Justin Fields as a transfer. Like, he knows this is a real possibility. I think he recruits with the idea that, you know, they're going to go grab the best players that they can. Um, And, you know, if they're going to win by the transfer market, you also understand that, you know, at quarterback, you also lose by the transfer market. I mean, Justin Fields is a is a quarterback who transferred after one year rather than sitting out maybe one more year and, and, and taking over at Georgia. Um, and it worked out pretty well for him. And, and to be honest, like, what if what if one of those two comes to Ryan Day at the end of the 2021 spring and says, you know, I want to transfer? Like, what can he say? Can he look at Justin Fields and say, you know what, you should stick it out here because – you know, things will work out for you eventually. They can just go look at the guy who uh, potentially just won a Heisman Trophy or potentially let him do a national championship and say, you know, that guy took this path, I can too. And, you know, it'd be hard for him to say, don't do that, because I think that he knows the benefits of that. Um, uh, I think it's going to be fascinating to see it play out. Obviously, if the season is, is altered in any way or the preseason, then then things could shift in, in that dynamic. But... You know, we'll we'll talk about that as as that happens. Yeah, and to be clear, you should be recruiting guys 
who want to come in, they want to compete, they want to be starting quarterbacks. You should recruit those kind of guys. And Ryan Day absolutely understands that. And recruiting two quarterbacks of this caliber that they both want to be starters. Fit neither one of them wants to uh, be at Ohio State for four or five years and never play. I and mean, that's not going to happen. I mean, I'm, I'm very confident in that. That neither one of these guys is going to be a four-year backup at Ohio State. At one point or another, both these guys are going to be starters somewhere. It's just it's just going to be uh, you know it, you know we expect one of them to be a starter in 2021. The other one is going to have to decide you know, what the best path is for them. And I think I think that guy will have options because I think that guy, either one of them, is talented enough where uh, if he decides he doesn't want to ride it out, I think there will be plenty of schools who are interested in him. Now, there's only so many schools that are like Ohio State. So uh, I think that's the one variable there in terms of the Justin Fields comparison is, you know, Justin Fields had the benefit of, you know, being able to transfer to one of the top schools in the country. Uh, there's only so many of those schools out there, so you can't guarantee that that kind of opportunity is going to be open for a guy. But certainly, you know, if a guy sees that opportunity out there that might be available to him, uh, if he doesn't think he's going to be the starter at Ohio State, he might be inclined to go take that opportunity. So the other guy in the mix, Kyle McCord, um, in, in 2021, as we go through all the future before we even mention what <laughs> Justin Fields might do this fall, um, Kyle McCord is, is a fascinating guy where, you know, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast when we were doing the draft, he's the only composite five-star um, out of all the quarterbacks in the room other than Fields. Um, and, and obviously we're not projecting that Fields would be in the in the quarterback competition in 2021. Um, does, do you view him as having a legitimate chance to win that job? Or do you think that he would have to do something otherworldly to, to become the, the starter? I think it would be hard, but again, this is where you look at what's going on right now and this unconventional offseason and the unknown of what could happen this year, and that potentially opens the door for Kyle McCord. If 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 you know C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller don't have as many opportunities to develop as they thought they might have over the course of this year, that potentially leaves the door more open for Kyle McCord to come in in 20, 2021 and have a chance to compete for that job. Now, granted let's say Kyle McCord wins the job. Now you could have two guys looking to transfer. So yeah. there's a lot, there's a lot of different... nobody in your room other than Kyle yeah, McCord. Yeah, there's a lot of different yeah. variables here uh, You know, that could potentially play out. Ultimately, that, that being said, I think the starting quarterback in 2021 is going to be the guy who's most ready to play. And if that guy is Kyle McCord, he'll be the starting quarterback. I wouldn't bet on that because I think C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller, you know, having a year ahead of him... You know, even without a full spring practice this year, we expect they are going to, you know, go through a season. They're going to get some playing time. They're going to have more opportunities to practice. And they've at least, you know, been studying the playbook. You know, they've been in college. They've had that experience. I would be surprised if Kyle McCord, you know, beat them out and was an immediate starter as a true freshman. But at the same time, this is a five-star recruit. <laughs> so, yeah. so you cannot rule out Kyle McCord. I mean, he's too talented to be ruled out. And I would be shocked if... Honestly, if Ryan Day came in next year, you know, this is assuming, you know, nothing happens where Stroud or Miller, you know, plays all year long. You know, I think if, you know, if those are two guys were also inexperienced, I'd be shocked if Kyle McCord enrolls in January. I'm not sure if he's planning to, but I'd imagine he, he, he probably wants to. Uh, I'd be shocked if Ryan Day came in and said, 
yeah, Kyle's going to be our third stringer. <laughs> I think you know they're going to give Kyle a chance to compete for it. So I think you know he'd be the underdog for 2021 just because he's less experienced uh, or, or you know coming as a true freshman. But I certainly don't rule him out. You know, as a five-star guy, I think that would be crazy to do. Yeah, you you make the point that you know I was actually going to make too about you know if you if you do have if you, if Kyle McCord won the job as a freshman. It would be hard for me to imagine C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller wanting to stick around for to wait three years on the bench, three more years on the bench before starting as as fifth year seniors. That would that would be hard to imagine. But um, in that case, then all of a sudden you you'd think like, oh my, is are you going to have to have Kyle McCord and then like three graduate transfers? Like what do you do there? And then you go back and you think you know Ryan Day took Justin Fields with the idea that, you know, there's a chance that that would clear out the quarterback room, and he did it. Um, the caveat there being that I'm not sure that Justin or that Kyle McCord is, is Justin Fields, and then you wonder, you know, would he be willing to clear out a quarterback room for a Kyle McCord? And that's where I do think Kyle McCord can win that job. I just think that if, if he were to do that as a true freshman, he would have to be absolutely spectacular. I, I, I think that I think it would I think it'll be exceedingly difficult for, for him to do that. You do make a good point about, you know, if the season's shortened, if there if there are less reps for, for Jack Miller and CJ Stroud to get, I think that opens the door up a little bit. I just think that, that he'll he'd have to be great for to win that job. Um, and I think I think that'll be that'll be tough to do, which is why I have him as a pretty far back underdog to, to become the, the starter in twenty one. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he'd have to be clearly better than those guys in the offseason to beat them out. You know, much like, again, kind of like the Haskins-Burrow situation where, you know, Dwayne Haskins comes in, he's got that leg up because of what he did the year before. You know, C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller, they're going to have a leg up just because they've been around for a year. And so I agree. I think I think McCord would have to come in and clearly outperform them, and I think both of those guys are talented enough where it's not going to be easy to clearly outperform them. You know, like you said, you know, a Justin Fields situation, you know, he came into a room where they said, you know, I, I think bluntly, I think Ryan Day, you know, didn't wasn't confident in Matthew Baldwin or Tate Martell being the starting quarterback for that season. So I think he felt like he had to bring somebody in uh, to be the starter, and if that cleared out the room, so be it. I think he would prefer to avoid that. Uh, in 2021, especially if two guys as talented as C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller. But, you know, <laughs> these are the dynamics. I mean, these are things, again, five years ago, we just would not have been talking about like this, about a quarterback room. These are just the dynamics that, you know, you have to deal with now in college football. And, and, and these are why, you know, you have to bring in a Chris Chuganoff. You have to bring in a Gunnar Hoke. And most likely a year from now, they're going to bring in another guy like that because, that's what you have to do now to keep the numbers up in your your, your quarterback room because the reality is, you know, the reality is a Cardale Jones situation might never happen again because it, in the modern era, a Cardale Jones might have already transferred out of Ohio State by now. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's the case, Dan. It's interesting. We talked this much about quarterbacks. We haven't mentioned Justin Fields that much. I feel like we need to, to hit on him right now because you know what the reason why the state of the position in my mind is 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 such a is in such a great spot is sure CJ Stroud Jack Miller it's good to have Gunnar Hoke on the team Ryan Day's done a great job there but you have a guy in Justin Fields who I think is one of the two best quarterbacks in college football um, who I think is going to be a top three NFL draft pick 
uh, next year around this time, and is basically everything that you'd want in like a in a Madden create a player. What what are you expecting from him this season? Do you think it'll be different at all from last year? Or are you just expecting you know maybe more of the same? I'm kind of expecting more of the same. I mean it's it's hard. I mean we didn't we we didn't even really get to see him go through a spring, so it's kind of hard to you know you know decipher okay if there's different things that you're working on and when we got to see him in one practice so um you know i i mean i was already kind of expecting more of the same but you know especially now with this uh you know altered off season i think you know there's only so much you know if it ain't broke don't fix it right i mean there's only so there's only so much you're going to be trying to get Justin Fields to do differently because there really isn't a whole lot of need for him to do a lot of things differently. So, of course, he's trying to enhance his skill set. I mean, you always see him, you know, posting videos of his training and all that. So, you know, it's obvious he's still trying to get to another level, but he was already at a pretty damn good level last year. So, you know, I you know, I know you, you can nitpick and, you know, you can, you know, find small little things for him to improve on and you know the debate's already started you've got people who think he's going to win the Heisman and be the number one overall pick and you've got people saying maybe he's not even a first round pick I I lean much more toward the former but I think uh like you I think he's going to be a very high NFL draft pick a year from now uh you know I think certainly uh he along with Trevor Lawrence is one of the Heisman front runners as well as a number one overall pick front runner I know the way these things work out most likely there's another quarterback we're not talking about right now who's going to emerge and end up in that conversation as well but you know it's hard for me to imagine Justin not being in that conversation and and as well as he played last year I mean to me the biggest question coming off the end of last year is just making sure he stays healthy because we saw the end of last season uh the knee injury did hamper him a bit so you you hope that he could stay healthy certainly you know I think working on you know getting rid of a ball a little bit quicker and, and avoiding some of those sacks that he took last year would probably be one thing you, you really want to work with him on just for the sake of his health but you know overall I think you know if you, if you get more of the same out of Justin Fields uh, that's what you want and that's going to give you a chance to compete for a national championship yeah I think that um, you know I don't know about you Dan this is just me sometimes when Kevin Wilson speaks my mind can't process it as quickly as he talks. So <laughs> when I went back and listened to, to what he was um, talking about a, a few weeks ago in a teleconference, you know, this the, he, he mentioned something about Justin Fields that sort of stuck with me. And, you know, this is it, it's something that, that I've been thinking about a lot with him, too. And, you know, it's that, you know, when Dwayne Haskins was the quarterback, Ohio State really relied on him to do a lot. Like it put a lot on his plate. It made him have to have to make certain decisions because you know they didn't have the running game that 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 Ohio State had this this past year. They didn't have the offensive line that Ohio State had this past year. Dwayne Haskins didn't have the 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 legs that Justin Fields um, has. And you know, I think that I think the Buckeyes. I don't want to say got away with this because that's not really the correct word here. That's not the correct phrase. But I think that they took advantage of the fact that, you know, they had so many other weapons this past year, and they had such a good offensive line, they had such a good running game, they had really good wide receivers, that, you know, 
I do think that they put Justin Fields in so many positions to succeed that when you look at that 41 touchdowns and three interceptions, and then you see NFL draft analysts like Matt Miller saying, you know, sometimes you think that maybe he can improve on his decision making. I think a lot of people's reaction is to say that is insane. And while I think Matt Miller's criticism of his arm strength is insane, I actually do think that there is a point where, you know, Justin Fields threw to so many open wide receivers, and Ryan Day knew exactly how to take advantage of him. Um, and, and Kevin Wilson, they, they really designed such an incredible game plan just week in and week out. I think they deserve an incredible amount of uh, credit for, for what they did and, and, and Justin Fields year one. And that's not to really take away from what he did. I just think they deserve a ton of credit for doing that. Now, going forward, my question there is when, when J.K. Dobbins is gone... Um, are you going to have to rely on, on Justin Fields to do certain things that maybe he wouldn't have had to do to make certain reads? Um, are you going to open up the playbook a little bit more? Um, I, I mean, the one thing that we mentioned over and over again last season is, you know, where are those crossing routes? That's something that Dwayne Haskins did so well, and we just really never saw them. I don't know. I, I do think that there is some aspect of Ohio State might have to rely a little bit more on him to make certain quick decisions than they did a year ago and that's where I'm interested to see how he plays now having seen him for an entire season as a Buckeye I have a lot of confidence in Justin Fields no matter how far they open up that playbook no matter what they require from him but I think that that's the aspect that I'm interested to see how he deals with because when Kevin Wilson mentions it to me that makes me think that that's something that they've you know, considered too. And it's that can Justin Fields, um, can they rely on Justin Fields to make certain reads and, and the way that they relied on Dwayne Haskins to do so? Yeah, I think that is a good point because I do, I, I think, I do think it's going to be a more quarterback centric offense this year without J.K. Dobbins. And I do think, you know, you go back to 2018, I mean, just the amount that they relied on Dwayne. Uh, you know, I think I, I think I, it's kind of a slight venture off topic here, but like I, I noticed this past week, uh, you know, we we ran a poll on, or we ran a couple polls recently on Eleven Warriors about you know Dwayne versus Justin. I think there was one about you know who would you start an NFL team with right now between Dwayne, Justin, and Joe Burrow, and there was another one between you know who would you rather have Dwayne or Justin. And the numbers were heavily slanted toward Justin and away from Dwayne. And I, I, I think Dwayne's, I think Dwayne's 2018 season at Ohio State has already gotten to the point of being underrated. I think it's already gotten to the point of people forgetting how great Dwayne was that year. But I, I still don't think he gets enough credit for what he did that year with a team that had a weak running game, a weak defense, and a lot of turmoil going on. I, I think. Uh, I still don't think Dwayne gets enough credit for what he did that year, and I do think I do think you know if you compare Dwayne where he was in 2018 to where Justin was in 2019, I do think he was doing more. I think they were putting more on his shoulders. I think he was more advanced as a passer. I think you're right that you know they were doing a lot of scheming up for Justin that made things easier for him. And you know, let's say the running game does take a step back, which it certainly might without uh, J.K. Dobbins. You know, then, then yeah, that that might put Justin in some different positions that make things a, a little bit harder on him. I'm I'm pretty confident that Justin's going to be able to answer the challenge, but I do think it's uh, you know a good point that you make that you know there there were things that 
you know, helped make things easier for him. And, and if things get harder for him this year, which they certainly could, uh, you know, how is he going to react to that challenge? Like you said, that is why you have some draft analysts still questioning, you know, whether Justin is going to be that top guy, whether he's uh, quite ready to make that jump to the NFL yet. Um, you know, I, I think he will be, but, you know, I think it's a fair, it's a fair point to, to bring up from your part. Yeah, Justin Fields is awesome. So let's get that. It's not. It's not that we're questioning whether Ryan Day made Justin Fields. Justin Fields, in my opinion, I do agree to your point. I think Dwayne has become slightly underrated just because I think most people think that Justin's better. But I'm one of those people too. Like I think that the fact that what he offers um, in the run game, as well as the fact that he has an absolute cannon for an arm. Um, and, and he's proven that, that he's really adept at making decisions and, and, and with his ball placement. I think that he's almost everything you ask for in a quarterback. I'm just interested to see if, if they have to rely on him more to make certain decisions, make certain reads um, and certain at certain areas of the field. I'm interested to see how he responds. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I'm not saying Dwayne's better than Justin. I think Justin is yeah. uh, phenomenal. And I do think, you know, what he can do as a runner adds an element that they didn't have of Dwayne. Uh, I think I think he I think he's probably going to run more this year because they don't have J.K. Dobbins. So I think uh, he might run even more this year. So yeah, I, I mean think, the great thing for him too is that I think that they're going to have the best offensive line in the country in front of him. So that helps. That helps. Yes, that that, that helps. Does. I mean, yeah, I mean that helps. I mean the big thing just is we. we to me, his first season went as well as anyone could have possibly imagined it to go. Sure, he 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 threw you know two interceptions in the final game of a year, but other than that, I mean, I think his first season at Ohio State uh, just went as as well as anyone could have possibly reasonably expected for him. And so, if he can just continue to build on that, uh, you're going to be in a great spot with Justin Fields. Yes, absolutely. Do you want to? Do you want to answer some questions, Dan? Yeah, we will answer some questions. Uh, not going to lie, uh, most of these questions have nothing to do with football. So um, uh, That's just a reality of our current circumstance. If they're uh, looking for a podcast without football, they're going to be sorely disappointed by this one. Yeah, I say I know. Uh, I know our friends at uh, Letterman Row. I think they have a whole uh, off-topic podcast that they do now uh, every week. This is where we're going to kind of segue into the off topic here um so we understand you know if, if some of you decide you've you've had enough uh, for today we understand but we do want to answer uh, your your questions and requests and and whatnot uh one of them i'm not sure i'm not going to be able to get to today but uh we'll get to that in a minute uh first question this one's pretty easy for me we've 77 asks are you for or against the oxford comma uh, I'm, I thought I thought that you were. I thought since yeah, it was an easy no, question, I was I was I, I was going to get your answer first, but I, I'm I'm against it. Okay, well that's good because I'm for it. But since I am a reporter who has to go by the AP style, now when I see it, I feel weird. But yeah, no, I'm I'm for it generally. It's yeah, AP style is driven into my head, so uh, I can own. To me, if I see it, it's wrong. To me, if I see that, the comma and the and and a free part list there, to me it's wrong and it drives me nuts. And uh, most of our writers at 11 Warriors still do it, so it it, it drives me nuts when I see it. But uh, 
Uh, we're not too strict about AP style, Eleven Warriors, so I try to just let it slide. Uh, but personally, I, I do not use uh, the Oxford comma. Yeah, no, I don't use it just because, like you said, I've now gone however many years of not using it. But there are times when I'm writing where I'm like, I feel like I should just add one here just, just for old time's sake. Seattle Linga asked us, throughout your career, what's the toughest interview that you have conducted personally that you can remember and why? That's a tough question. Colin, you want to start on this one? Yeah, I'm glad that I saw this one beforehand because it it allowed me to sort of gather my thoughts. And, And, you know, there are quite a few ways that I think actually you can go with this. Like when I was thinking, um... My very first day at 11 Warriors was Urban Meyer's first day back, and he had a press conference. And I do remember, at 11 Warriors, I had started an AMA on the forum and and then gone to his press conference. And then when I got back, everyone was like, you do realize you have to actually answer these questions. I was like, I'm trying to do this Urban Meyer thing, too, because I remember I was like, you know, when Urban had got suspended and that whole thing went down, those were the three months that I was covering baseball in Cape Cod and I wasn't paying I wasn't paying uh, that much attention to, to to the day-to-day stuff um, and you know when I come back and, and he has this press conference I basically have to figure out everything that's going on and that was hard but that's not my answer I'm gonna go in another direction I'm gonna say I think recruiting interviews are one of the most dice roll one of the biggest dice rolls um, out there because sometimes you get a recruit on the phone. Like last week, I talked to Richmond Heights's uh, Josiah Harris. Uh, he's a basketball prospect in 2022 who just got an offer. He was absolutely awesome. I love talking to, to players like that who are, you know, they're young, they're excited, they love to talk about, you know, what they've done, where they've been, how this makes them feel, and, and you know, I think that they're, I think that's so, I think that's so cool to talk to uh, when when you're talking to players in those moments. But some other recruits, and I'll be honest, if I was a recruit, this would 100% have been me back when I was in high school and I was, you know, I was shy. Um, some don't like to talk, and, I, and I'm not going to name names because I, I certainly wouldn't want to um, mention that uh, publicly. But, you know, I, I do remember there was specifically one last year, uh, maybe last spring. I don't know exactly when it was. Um, and I called him, and our conversation lasted probably eight minutes. I probably fired like 25, 30 questions. There probably wasn't a response that was longer than five words. And, you know, those, I've got to say, are the toughest interviews in the world because you're like, you know, when you're a young kid, when you're, when you're a teenager and, you know, you're just answering questions about, like, your background, colleges, there are a lot of teenagers, there are a lot of players who they don't really like that too much. And, and this was certainly one of those situations. And, you know, you get to a point where it's like, I feel like I should just hang up and, you know, let them go on with their day. So that is that is my answer. And I certainly would have been that kid. But, you know, a year ago I found myself that I was the interviewer in that situation. Yeah, that's a really hard question to answer. And I tried to give it some thought, and I still don't know that I have a great answer because there isn't one that, like, really stands out to me as, like, Man, that was a really tough interview. You know, I could think of some, like, tough stories that I've had to write. Uh, you know, not necessarily here at 11 Warriors, but, you know, I could think of a couple uh, a couple stories I've written at past stops that, you know, dealt with issues like, uh, you know, sexual harassment and topics like that. And certainly, you know, when you're talking to people involved in stories like that, uh, you know, those can always be challenging because you're dealing with, 
a, a very delicate topic. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily, I still wouldn't necessarily say there's one interview per se. If it stands out to me that I think, man, that was just a really hard one to get through. But I think certainly, you know, anytime you're doing an interview about, you know, a delicate topic, uh, something that's not, you know, really sports related, those can always be difficult just because, uh, you know, for two reasons. One, because, you know, you really have to be careful in those kind of situations to, uh, you know, make sure you're, you're treating uh, the topic appropriately and, and, and making sure you're asking uh, fair and responsible questions. Um, and, and, you know, those aren't the type of stories that I write all the time. So it's, it's a lot easier for me to, you know, ask somebody about football stuff than it is for me to ask about, uh, you know, maybe something, something like that if I'm writing a story that's not, you know, directly uh, a sports-related topic. Uh, so those can always be tough, but there still isn't one that stands out. I will say, I wouldn't necessarily say it was a tough interview, but this just has always stood out to me. I will say that the the meanest somebody has ever been to me, like during an interview, uh, where they just like, or I asked them a question and they just were really rude and and their dislike of my question was when I was a student reporter at the Lantern and I was interviewing George O'Leary. I believe he was the coach at UCF at the time. And I was, I was talking to him for a story before they played Ohio state. And I have no idea what the question was I asked, but I just remember he strongly disliked my question and insinuated that I didn't know what I was doing by asking him that question. And that has always stuck with me. Uh, that, that George O'Leary uh, was not a very nice person when I interviewed him. Do you think you deserve that or no? I don't remember what I asked, so I, 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 can't, I can't say. I mean, it, it probably, most likely, if I, 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 I mean, I have no idea where that interview is now, probably uh, do not have any audio or transcript of it or anything anywhere. Uh, I would bet if I listened back to it now, I'd probably go, that was not a very good question because I think I was... I don't know, maybe a sophomore in college at the time, so I, I probably have gotten better at asking questions uh, since then. But I just, I, I just always remembered that that he was uh, not very, not very polite to me. Oh, he's on. We, he's, he's not a friend of uh, of the show. Then I guess <laughs> we will not be having George O'Leary on this podcast. I don't know that he's necessarily a popular person with a lot of people, so um, <laughs> probably not a huge groundbreaking thing there that he uh, has been mean to people silver sniper says dan please perform your favorite guitar hero or rock band song <laughs> on real pod wednesdays i did say i did say last week uh if you guys want to request uh singing maybe i'll do it um well problem number one i don't actually have a copy of guitar hero or rock band anymore uh, you know, those are for my Xbox 360. I don't have that anymore. Um, I suppose I could sing for you. I don't know that I'm prepared to do that today. Uh, might need a little more than one request uh, to get me to do that. There's also the issue of uh, music rights. I don't really know how all that works. Uh, but you're I trying know. to get it out, all the excuses out of the way. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I'm serious. I don't know if I, if I mean, I, I don't think anyone would care because I'm, I'm not a very good singer. But you know, I don't want to sing a song and then have. I mean, I've I've gotten uh, Twitter DMCA violations for uh, having a small snippet of a song in a video I tweeted from a football game that was two years old, 
uh, because a snippet of a certain song just happened to pop up in it. So I don't want to break any rules by uh, singing a song that I don't have the rights to sing on a podcast. But well, Dan, uh, if our podcast gets canned because you're singing a song, I'm not even going to be mad. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, no, see, I, exactly. You're right back on the train. Let's let's get it going. That'd be awesome. Yeah. No, I think I think I think I could get I think I could get away with it. I'm not sure that I'm uh, prepared to do it today, but I will say I will say my favorite song to sing on Rock Band. Just to give a tease here, if people want to try to convince me into doing this, my favorite song to sing on Rock Band was "More Than a Feeling" by Boston. Here for it. I. I think back when I was in high school, I had more of an ability to hit those high notes than I do now. So That's too bad. Well, speaking of singing, <laughs> Lil Trouty asks, who is your favorite to win at American Idol? Is it sad that I still watch the show? Well, I have no judgment on whether you still watch the show. I think uh, that's, that's totally fine. Uh, I can say that I have not personally watched the show in many, many years. I... I, I think I watched the first few seasons of it, you know, back when I was a kid. You know, my mom and sister watched it. You know, I remember seeing, like, Carrie Underwood and Chris Daughtry and people like that on there. But I haven't watched it in a long, long time. Uh, so I have no idea who's even on the show anymore. I mean, I don't even know who the judges are anymore. Colin, do you watch it at all? I am 25 years old. I haven't watched it in any of my 25 years. So, no. But, Lil Trouty... I come to you with an answer because my girlfriend listens to it and she says Francisco Martin and Julia Gargano are the answer. And if that is correct, uh, if you agree, let us know. I cannot say that I've ever heard, seen these people or heard their voices, but that is, that is what I'm told the answer is. They're probably better singers than me. Um, I don't know. I haven't heard them and I haven't heard you, Dan, speaking of that. <laughs> I don't know. We may just, we may just have to we may just have to have a face off with whoever wins and uh, see her. Maybe maybe I'll audition next year. Probably. I don't, not, I don't hate that. Yeah, I don't know. It'd, it'd, it'd be fun. It'd be fun. It'd be fun to do it. Maybe maybe I'd be one of the ones that they show. If uh, I don't think Simon Cowell is on there anymore, but I remember they used to. The big thing used to be they'd show the auditions and Simon Cowell would make fun of the people who were terrible. Uh, I'd like to think I'm not in that category, that I'm not in the terrible category, that I'd just be one of the people who would go in there, they'd say thanks but no thanks, and no one would ever see the, the, the tape ever again. But, hey, you never know. Can't do this much talking about singing without singing, Dan. Just saying. <sighs> I don't know. Maybe I should. Let's get to our last question for now. Uh, Pahimar, or however that's pronounced, asked us, what do you think the chances are that the new name, image, and likeness rules make it sufficiently easy for college athletes to earn money that it actually reduces the incentive to risk your career by taking cash under the table from boosters? Well, my first response there is, who is risking their career by taking cash under the table from boosters? Because right now... That seems like a flawless model because you don't exactly see people getting knocked year after year for doing that. Yeah, I mean, if Zion Williamson did it, as has apparently become a storyline this week, he seems to be doing just fine. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess my answer to that question is that I don't, I don't know that it reduces um, the risk per se. I think that it makes more likely 
that um, people will do things legally. I think that the interesting part is going to be how the NCAA handles the booster issue, which is are boosters allowed to pay student-athletes to um, represent their own company in advertising? Um, are they going to be able to, to allow student-athletes to be uh, um, endorsers of their products? I, I just don't know. And if that's allowed, um, you know, I, I'll be interested to see, number two, how it's enforced. And are you able to, to limit um, how much money uh, people can make for, for certain things? And, you know, if it's strongly enforced, if it's strictly enforced, or if they aren't able to um, – to have student athletes be their um, be their endorsers at all, then yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I there will certainly still be a a black market if we want to term it that. Yeah, I, I I do. I think I think that is the big question is just for recruiting inducement part of this because uh, what's supposed to be allowed by the NCAA here is not going to include that and. You know, I, I think it would be naive to think that that's suddenly going to go away. I mean, I think we know it happens. Uh, a lot of times it happens and doesn't get caught. But I think we know it happens, and I think it's probably going to continue to happen. You know, I do, I do think it re- could redu- reduce the incentive. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, it is. I think it is going to make some things legal that are probably, you know, already happening, happening under the table now. So... Uh, you know, I do think it will reduce that, and certainly, I, I I think, you know, guys, you know, having these opportunities, uh, you know, you know, you know, certainly for guys who you know might feel like, hey, I need to, you know, find a way to get paid here, you know, to help, you know, support my family or something. These could be opportunities that help out with that. So, uh, you know, I think it does probably reduce the incentive a little bit, but. I don't know it may necessarily go hand in hand in terms of the money that the money opportunities that this is going up at open up for players are probably different than the money that they're taking that they shouldn't be taking now. And there's probably still going to be schools who are trying to play dirty in recruiting and offering inducements to players. Uh, through boosters or however they do it, that probably aren't going to just suddenly go clean because of this name, image, and likeness bill. No, yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I think that I do think when they talk about guardrails four million times, I just think that that's <laughs> that is one of those things that they haven't figured out yet, which means that I'm not totally sure. Um, how much it'll impact the quote-unquote illegal inducements. We did have a I'm, – I'm checking the site, and we did have a few additional questions. We'll kind of rapid-fry through them because sure. we're running out of time here. But uh, we were asked uh, the million-dollar question from, from tomorrow. Based on your knowledge, what is your best guess for college football <laughs> in the fall? Oh, if we're just going to rapid-fire this, <laughs> I think I would be blown away if there are fans. I think there will absolutely be no fans. Um and then, I mean, I go day to day on what exactly I think. I think there will be football in some form or fashion. If you ask me to pick today, I might say that, you know, I think there will be a full season played this fall with no fans, and I could not have less confidence in my answer. 
Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I, I do I do think the idea of having a a season with full crowds I think is unlikely at this point. I mean, we've already seen uh, we we saw it this past week with uh, the state of Oregon saying you know no crowds until at least the end of September. So um, I don't see that. I, I think there's just too much that needs to happen in the next four months to envision a hundred thousand people packing into Ohio Stadium on September 5th for the game against Bowling Green. I, 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 I don't think that's going to happen at this point. My, my, certainly my hope, and, and I think, you know, I think that everyone involved in the sport of college football is going to try to do everything they can for there to be a season of some sort. Could the season be delayed? It could. Could the season be shortened? It could. It, 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 do I think the possibility of it even becoming a, a spring season is possible? I, I do. But uh, I'm hopeful that we're going to have a season in the fall. You know, I, I really don't think that uh, people want to outright cancel it. But like Colin said, I, I it's just hard to be confident right now. It, it seems like the, the gauge on this thing changes every single day. I think you know by the end of June, we'll probably have a better idea of where we're going with this, but I think we're still probably in for uh, at least another month of this kind of back and forth on whether the season's going to happen or not. Uh, we were also asked, uh, who do you think will be the next commit? We already carved out with Zach earlier. He said Hudson Wolf. That just seems as good as any to me. Uh, Tomorrow also asked about Jim Harbaugh's contract being up in December of 2021. Usually this process is nearing completion right now in terms of renewal. Uh, any fodder inside info as to what happens here. Don't have any inside info because I don't cover Michigan. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not exactly sure what the case is there. I mean, I, you know, certainly uh, we're talking the end of 2021. Two years is a long time. So, But uh, the, the caveat there is I still remember Urban Meyer, yeah. I think he had three years on his contract yeah. when he bumped it up to five years because people were using that to recruit against or right. he, he was, I don't know if that was actively happened or if they were. I think it was actively because that was after the whole uh, Jackson Carmen. The whole, yeah, Jackson Carmen saying that Dabo told him Urban was going to retire, which, as it turned out, Dabo was right. But oh, continue. No. Um, and uh, and I, I do think it two years is not a long time. I mean, I think that is generally very abnormal. Um, I don't necessarily know whether he'll have a contract or not. I could not imagine, though, him coaching this year still not having a contract extension entering next January after the season ends and having one year left on his deal. I just don't know how you recruit with that. Um, and I think that that would certainly hinder Michigan. And and honestly, like I think that that would probably hinder them right now. Um, so I don't know what they're doing. But, yeah, that is, that is to me, certainly um, unusual. Yeah, I mean, it, it would suggest that uh, there's some uncertainty there. It would suggest... You know, whether that's uncertainty on Michigan's end or Harbaugh's end, I mean, it would suggest the fact that they haven't agreed to a contract extension at this point uh, that, you know, maybe there's some some looming uncertainty there about, you know, whether he's going to continue to be the coach uh, beyond the next two years. And, you know, I think at this point, I think there should be uncertainty uh, because of the fact that he has yet to beat Ohio State. So, I uh, know I'm not I'm not sure you know maybe they're kind of you know leaving that out there as kind of a you know carrot on a stick there but 
You know, you want to see him, you know, get that win over Ohio State this year. You want to see him finally turn those tables. And if he does that, then maybe he gets rewarded with a big extension. But I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 it, that one is such a hard position because I, I still think, you know, it, it, it's hard to say, you know, if, if you move on from Harbaugh, who's an upgrade there? But also, he hasn't done what you brought him in to do, which is to, you know, turn the tables against Ohio State and, and, and compete for Big Ten championships. He hasn't done that yet. So at some point, you would think after the next two years, if he still hasn't been able to do that, you would think the clock might run out on him. But there's still not a great answer for uh, if you fire Harbaugh and you hire someone else, is that really going to get you out of a hump? I, I would lean toward no at this point. Yeah, I mean, you certainly couldn't strongly say with, with conviction that it would get you over hump. I will say, I mean, he's, what, the third highest paid coach in the country, I believe, behind Dabo and, and Saban? Um, I believe so. Like, he certainly hasn't given you the, the third best um, output since he's been at Michigan. So, you know, if there's if there's uncertainty on the Michigan side, I mean, I've gotten to the point where personally I, I certainly see the, the reasons why they'd move on from him. That said, you know, if they were going to move on from him – I just I, I do think that you know he a reader who whose name I don't have in front of me so I forget or our listener I, I think he makes a, a good point about you know it is a little bit weird um, and it certainly has to be used against them on the recruiting trail that that either Harbaugh or Michigan hasn't made a commitment past the next two seasons and like you said that that's telling one way or another it's hard without any inside information to to say whether it's Harbaugh who um, isn't ready to, to re-up or if it's if it's Michigan. You have a listener was tomorrow who asked us those last pre-questions. So. Also, also, I'll say a side note real quick. Like, if you were to, to re-sign Jim Harbaugh, could you even... Are, are you able to, to give him that same deal? Like, are you able to give him any sort of a pay raise? Because in college football, extensions that are... The, 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 in which the pay decreases are so uncommon. Like, I couldn't really imagine that happening, personally. And that's probably why we're in this boat right now. Because because it, it, it did, by giving him that kind of contract, you put yourself in a tough position where, you know, now, yeah, I mean, if you're going to give him an extension, you'd expect him to continue to be one of those top paid coaches in college football, but he hasn't performed up to that level. So I think that's why they're in this position right now. Final question was asked by Daniel. He asked us, what are your general opinions of the last dance? Is Michael Jordan the jerk he at times is portrayed as, or was he just super competitive and doing everything he can to win? Colin, I don't know if you've watched it, but I have. Uh, You know, I think, you know, I think it's mostly the latter. I think he is. Uh, extremely competitive and does everything he 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 can to win. Um, you know, I, I think I saw. I think it was Bill Rabinowitz from the Dispatch tweeted something about this today, and he he made the point that uh, Michael Jordan would have loved to have been coached by Urban Meyer, and Urban Meyer would have uh, loved to have coached him. And he's probably right because that's kind of it. Does kind of remind me of uh, Urban's just ultra competitiveness of just doing whatever it takes to win. And I think. You know, that's uh, the kind of person Michael Jordan is for, uh, you could say for better or for worse, but I think certainly in terms of on-court results, it was for the better of it. Uh, You know, he's a guy, he will just do whatever it takes to win, and he doesn't really care 
uh, if he pisses you off in the process. Uh, he, he just cares about that end result at the end of the day. Uh, so I think, you know, that's that. But overall, I think The Last Dance has been really entertaining to watch. You know, I'm not a guy, um, you know, being a younger guy, I... I didn't really get into sports until after Jordan's heyday, so I don't know that I quite have the appreciation for Michael Jordan that you know people a little bit older than me do. Uh, so it has been fun to watch because most of it has been like learning for me because a lot of the storylines that have been within it are storylines that I didn't really know about because I was either not born or too young at the time. So it's been entertaining and informative uh, to kind of hear, you know, the backstories of Michael Jordan and the Bulls and kind of, you know, how, you know, all these different things happened. Um, You know, I've been very entertained by it. I'm glad that that you could uh, respond to the question because, Dan, I haven't even wanted to admit it. But I haven't watched this show. I haven't watched the show yet. I'm just waiting to, to bench it all at once. I'll be honest. And I feel like I've missed out a little bit. Part of me wants to binge it this week and then watch, what, are there two remaining episodes? Yep. Yeah, so part of me wants to do that. I don't necessarily know that I have the time to for an eight-hour binge this week, <laughs> but but at some point I've been holding off so I can binge it all at once. But, um, yeah, I f- I, I'm not even going to lie. I feel like I've, I've, I've made the wrong decision, but at, at this point there's no turning back for me. Yeah, it was one of those things where, honestly, like, if it hadn't been such a big Twitter topic of conversation, I might have done the same thing. But, like, just with all the, like, conversation about it, I've, like, been wanting to watch it. Like, I don't usually care about watching something like this live, but I've been wanting to watch it live just because so many people are talking about it that, you know, then I kind of, like, understand what people are talking about for those two hours on Sunday night. Now, I'm not even usually that kind of guy. Like, I'll admit it, I have not watched Tiger King, and I'm probably never going to watch Tiger King. Uh, I do not watch most of his stuff. I actually just canceled my Netflix account this past weekend because I learned that it had been hacked and, and I had not used it for so long, but I didn't realize how long it had been hacked. So I uh, I canceled my Netflix account. Maybe I'll re-up at some point, but uh was not using it enough to justify uh, paying for it any longer. But uh, um, I have been watching The Last Dance. Um, I, I have been enjoying it, honestly, more than I expected. Um, and... Uh, looking forward to watching the last one on Sunday. Yeah, I'm Team LeBron anyway, so I also just was worried this would swing me. <laughs> I am too. I am too. Um, that's a debate for another day. We've gone way too long on this podcast uh, to get into that conversation right now. But uh, uh, you know, I'm I am a LeBron guy as well. So uh, that we'll save that for another day. Uh, thanks to everyone who's hung in here uh, for this episode. Really enjoyed having Zach on. Doing the recruit draft with us, and uh, you know, talking to some quarterbacks, uh, answering your questions as well. Uh, maybe next week I'll sing. We'll see. Uh, thanks for thanks for listening in, and we'll talk to you guys again soon.